Hi, I'm Elizabeth Benoist, and you're listening to Supergirl Radio. McGurk! I love not typing. Not with my Google Docs, Meeksy. Supergirl Radio is going live every night of the week. How do you like it? Is being, becoming a human burrito a plus or a minus? I don't know. It does seem snug. I mean, they say you are what you eat. Kira. I love that. So I do a podcast called Supergirl Radio, and one of our segments is Lena Luther boardroom or ballroom. Because really? She looks like a boss in this coat. Nasty Luther, like a different Luther. It's not just Lena being mean. No. <laughs> Helen Slater here. So fun to know that you're hosting a podcast called Supergirl Radio. Welcome to Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Glennon. And for this episode of the podcast, we are live and wired to take a look back at Supergirl's sixth and final season. We're going to talk about, you know, what worked for us. What what are our answers to that question? (laughs) Um, What didn't work for us? And uh, what are some of our highlights? So, so we're going to talk about some of those questions, and uh, we're we're maybe going to rank uh, all of the seasons of Supergirl. We did, I, I think, we Ooh. did that in our last retrospective. So it'd be interesting to see if those rankings change at all now that we've gotten another season added uh, to the books. So <laughs> we'll just see where we we uh, we come down on that now that the show is finished. So we're going to get into all that. Just kind of, uh, this is a good chance to look back at the season as a whole. Normally we talk about each episode at a time, but now it's like, let's, let's take a look at it in, you know, in a cumulative effect, I guess, to see what, what actually were they trying to do? Did they get there? Did they accomplish it? And if they did, was it good? I guess is the, 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 the basis uh, behind the season retrospective. If you've never uh, joined us for one of these before. All right. So I guess we will go and revisit uh, season six because we don't have any news now. And Morgan, I'm going to drop in some new little graphics that I created. <gasps> I don't know if they're going to work. I don't know if we're going to like them. All right. But- <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> I'm trying to jazz it up now that now that we've you know uh, finished with the show. But I guess and these are just bumpers. It's nothing like real fancy or anything. But uh, we are gonna uh, get into our main discussion, which is gonna be about uh, looking mm-hmm. back at season six. Um, so I guess the thing that we should start with is uh, the are, are the positive things, Morgan, about season six, uh, if you have those. Uh, I'm just kidding. I, I'm not sure. I'm sure oh, no, there I is have, some. I'm, I'm I sure have, there is some. I, ha- I have some. Plenty. I have some. <laughs> <laughs> so during the season, we were kind of iffy on some things. But when you look back at season six, what are some of the things, the aspects of the show that really worked for you that you thought that came out as, as positive and well done? Hmm. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry <laughs> that I had to think that long. Um, no, I really liked um, Nia's story this season. And, and I, I thought that her arc throughout the show has been like consistently good and well-developed. And, uh, and this season I thought was really good for her. I think we, you know, we got back to her powers. Um, I think that maybe even the writers on the show realize like, what are her powers? I think maybe that was like a, a thing that they tacked up on the board. Nia Nal was up. 
<laughs> and so they kind of took it back around and made it into a storyline about how she doesn't really understand how her powers work because because of her her mom was really supposed to be the one who guided her and she lost her mom and so she got to sort of struggle with that all season this uh, idea that she wishes she knew more about her power she wishes she had that time with her mom um and she, and and she got it at one and point and she got it her mom was mostly nice and a little mean uh, <laughs> the mom way uh, her mom was like I'm not mad. I'm disappointed. (laughs) Cutting. Um, But she, she got to reunite with her sister and kind of put up boundaries with her sister and be like, it's not okay for you to treat me this way. Also, who's the one with the powers? It's this one. It's this gal. (laughs) Get in line, Uh, which I appreciate it. It was really fun to see her and Brainy go back in time with the, with young Supergirl. So uh, I thought that the, the Nia stuff, was pretty consistently good through the season. Yeah, Nia had a full arc, I think, uh, started starting uh, pretty early on, and uh, it carried out through the entire season. And it seemed to be uh, pretty pretty well thought out, I think. Um, and it it took up a lot of <laughs> a lot of episodes. It wasn't just something where they did a couple episodes here and there. It was across the entire season. So I think it was uh, pretty well formed. Um, for her character. So I, I would agree that the, the Nia stuff I think was, was really well done. Yeah. It was arced out in a way that made sense to me as like a character arc. You'll notice I'm saying like, it was a character arc, not just like, Oh, that's right. This is the main character at some point <laughs> in the season um, where it felt really consistent. Um, good for her. <laughs> poor, <Yeah. laughs> poor Kara did not get the same. Uh, but Nia had, I think, a really good season this year, um, especially in season six, and, and got some really good stuff in there. Um, other, other things that I really liked in season six. I really liked that we prommed. And then we prommed again. We did. We prommed a lot. <laughs> my fa- my favorite type of prom. Uh, <laughs> I like that we got back to Midvale. I thought that that was so nice to get back to one of I think most people's one of most people's favorite episodes is the first Midvale. Um, and so to be able to go back and do it again, I think was really great, especially because they got you know all the actors back. And Midvale, the the first episode was ages ago um so in tv land it's not always easy to be able to get back actors who you had for one single episode like three years ago especially when they were so young like they're Mm -hmm. supposed to be high schoolers and that can be difficult if you wait a long time and they age up yeah Yeah. seriously i mean it's it's the waltz of it all right (laughs) that's a lost reference if people don't know you have to to scream his name He took my boy. Uh, <laughs> this is also a, a lost podcast, but um, could we turn into a lost? Should we? <laughs> <laughs> the world's our oyster now, Rebecca. <laughs> There's no rules, um, but yeah, no, I thought it was it was really really great the Midvale episodes. And though I don't feel like I need, did I need the origin story of Cat Grant? No, no, no it wasn't just the origin of Cat Grant. It was the of, origin of her name, of Cat Grant's name. Yeah. Uh, no, she could have just been fabulous, fully formed, and I, I wasn't going to question it. I was going to be like, 
how did how did she ever figure out the name cat? Like that's not a question I ever had. Uh, these origins always go back and like here's the answer to this, and like no one was asking. But uh, <laughs> it was cool to get to see a young Cat Grant. I thought all the actors did a great job. Uh, the actress who played young Cat Grant was great, and I thought really nailed uh, Calista Flockhart's kind of like Cat Grant delivery. It was just really fun to be back in Midvale and kind of see Kara's. Uh, post-crisis young adulthood uh, and how that changed <laughs> yeah because uh, kenny came in kenny was alive kenny was alive he made it. kenny was alive uh <laughs> good for him too uh, <laughs> so that those i think were like the highlight episodes that i would you know when i think back on season six and i think like what episodes did i really like in season six it's going to be like those ones uh, anything with Jason Bear keeping it so tight. Um, and then <laughs> he really did. I'm not gonna lie, he's looking he really great, did. man. He's looking great. He looks exactly <laughs> like he did like 20 years ago on Roswell. <laughs> I don't know what witchcraft he's using, but I guess Lena does. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then I think I'll think of the uh, the magical witch episode with the giant cat. I'm gonna be honest, that was also a highlight for me because it's like if Supergirl's gonna just go in a direction where things are crazy. I want them to go all the way. Like, don't just, don't just half it. Go whole hog into craziness. And that's what that episode was like. There's going to be a kryptonite dragon. There's going to be a giant cat. Uh, Supergirl's uh, heat vision is going to be a laser. Giant cat. Giant cat. It's yeah. all we need to say. A lot, right? lot, lot, giant giant, cat. lot of giant cats and kryptonite dragons. Because I think that, that was also the episode where, like, we had Katie McGraw in, in the wig, right? Where it was like her playing her mother and they were just like they were just charmed out in the out in the woods <laughs> just it was it was suddenly a music video and they were just it was Lilith Fair 1995 and like <laughs> like I just everything about that episode was precious and perfect to me and I will hear <laughs> nothing against it uh that was one of the greats I think um the lizard in the museum one of the greats uh <laughs> Yeah, uh, it was not a, the specific episode, just the lizard in the museum. Wait, what was it? Was an iguana, I think. Iguana, that's yes. right. Yes. yes, the iguana in the museum, a true king. If, if you say lizard, sometimes people are going to think it was a small animal. No, it was quite large. It was, it was, quite, it was quite large that some woman was just carrying around. It makes sense where it was. It's okay. It's okay. I was okay with it. That was fine. See, I can go with the flow, Supergirl. <laughs> um, and then I think Esme, I think, was was one of my highlights. I like how they built that storyline up. Uh, it made a lot of sense for um, for Kelly. It made a lot of sense for Alex. Um, and I like that Alex finally got to to have a, a kid. Like she forgot that was a that was something that she was really into for a while. And I was wondering if they were gonna remember at the end and bring it back around. And I like that they did. Now does it did it happen in a way that was like i don't know ethical maybe not but <laughs> <laughs> but this is supergirl and once again we're not questioning iguanas we're not questioning uh the the, the witchiness out in the woods in uh ireland slash canada uh <laughs> letting a lot of things go and so i liked the uh, i liked esme was such a great character and that little actress was so good and so cute and uh, I think it really did add stakes to the finale when she got kidnapped because I was like, don't you, don't you, 
don't you hurt Esme. Like, <laughs> she, she is the one good thing that's happened to us this season. And I will not let you take her from me. Jason Bear's already gone. I have so you little. You have something to hold on. How dare you? I have so little. Uh, <laughs> Jason Bear, I think it goes without saying. Listen, did he get like a full storyline where like he got to connect with his daughter in an emotional way? No, but did he look good while he was on the show? And the answer to that is yes. Yes, he did look good. He was keeping it tight. He was looking right. So, so for Jason Bear, I give big ups. Uh, that's one of my top positives. It's like not a storyline thing. It was just like, Jason Bear, man, I had a crush on you in high school and I continue to have a crush on you today. <laughs> he was really working it in that red suit, that he, red yes. suit like shield. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, and then yeah. and then immediately they were like off screen. I was like, why? <laughs> Bring him back. Uh, I would love to say Nixley was a positive, but Nixley was unfortunately more of a mixed bag due to the Lex Luthor of it all at the end of the season. But for a while, Nixley was a great villain. Uh, she had like an interesting backstory. She was kind of misunderstood, but she was deliciously evil. Uh, you could tell the progression of her evil by the progression of her eyeshadow, <laughs> a classic villain, uh, <laughs> villain tell. Uh, so I liked that. Oh, geez. Uh, I wish there were more car things I was mentioning in this list. I really do. So do you um, want to, do you want to save the car stuff for what didn't work? Yeah. I, I mean, there has to be some car stuff that did work and I'm just really, I'm trying to talk until I come up with something. <laughs> Well, I guess one of the things I would say about Kara for what I thought worked was uh, the ending for Kara to be editor-in-chief of CatCo. I think it worked if you don't think about it too hard in terms of Kara not showing up for work <laughs> and then also Kara quitting her job just just recently before that and then going back and having the top spot at the company. If you don't think about all that really, really hard... It, it I, I think it, I think that it they worked. had her quit, right? Like they had yeah. her quit right before the finale. And then and then one would think that before they started the season, and I could be wrong, like they would arc out like here's where Car starts, here's sort of her journey, just in a very vague way. And here's the end point. Like, here's what we're gonna do with Car, where she ends up. If you know that her end point is editor of Catco. Why would you have her quit the job like two episodes before? Like, why wouldn't I, the whole season be? I mean, I would have her work really hard to earn it. Yeah. Um, or just medium hard, just showing up. <laughs> <laughs> but but that's just me. Uh, but I thought the I, a, a lot of my positives are like, I like the idea of this yeah um, I, I guess that's not really answering like what worked <laughs> because maybe i like the idea but maybe i don't think it worked um but I, I i have a lot of those on my list like i like the idea of supergirl being stuck in the phantom zone i think yes, it's a nice me I think, too i think it's a nice nod to helen slater's version of supergirl and laura vandevoort on smallville um i i really like that they kind of gave melissa that chance to be in the phantom zone in a real way instead of just like in the pod but like actually get to experience what the phantom zone is and we got to see the phantom zone um and of course supergirl's been in the phantom zone in the comics so i like the idea of her being stuck in there um 
so I, I guess, I don't know. What, what do you think is fair, Morgan? If, if I guess to follow our rules about these questions, like it's tough, right? If, if I like <laughs> the idea, but I don't think they did it very well, should I put it in the what, what didn't work? I, I think maybe it goes in both columns. So like, maybe we're like, yes, we liked this idea, but the execution of it. Okay. Uh, Cause like, I really liked Kelly finally getting to be guardian. And I thought yes. her intro episode where she kind of took over, the, took on the shields and uh, and stuff. The one that she wrote, I liked that episode. But they introduced that concept so close to the end that there was like just by proxy of like where it was in the season, there was almost nothing that they could really do with it. Like if they had introduced that idea, I don't know, maybe. And I'm just spitballing. When Supergirl was in the Phantom Zone and there yes. were no heroes in National yes. City just maybe um we would have gotten like a whole season of getting like maybe some ground level stories filtered in through kelly olsen as guardian would not have been great but by the time they introduced it we knew they were like literally introducing it so she would have like one episode before the finale and that's kind of what it felt like yeah, the Kelly being guardian is another one of those. I have a lot of these in this list where I like the idea of it. I think Kelly as guardian makes a lot of sense. I like that there are multiple guardians in, in the universe because in the comics there are multiple guardians. So that that works and they can both be guardian and, and they can have their distinct looks and they can be unique in how they uh, do the su superhero job. I like that Kelly's guardian had comic book uh, ties and uh, so sort of little little nods to the history of guardian. And I think the costume Kelly, is great. The costume was just, that's what I wanted James's guardian look to look like. So I'm glad <laughs> they finally nailed it for, for Kelly. And I thought she had good motivation to pick up the guardian mantle. And I like that the writing at least in as much as they could, they took their time in getting her there. She didn't just become guardian in one episode. Like it took several episodes to happen. So I like most of what they, um, what they did with the guardian thing, but some of the episodes I don't think were very well written. Um, and so I had, I had troubles with some of that. And I thought some of them were a little, honestly, a little preachy, a little, you know, a little uh, topical. I had a lot of topical things in it and that's just, I'm kind of over it. So, so some of those things didn't work for me in that regard, but I think as an idea, as you know, what they wanted to accomplish with that, or at least what they attempted to give us through it, that I thought worked. Yeah, exactly. It, it's one of those things where like the idea was good and like some of the beats were good, but the execution w was just not like, you know, it wasn't good. It wasn't great across the line. Like, I wish they had done the Guardian thing better because it was such a cool concept. I thought that Ozzy Testify did like a really good job with it when she was like getting to do that Guardian stuff. And it made Kelly a more interesting character because I think Kelly got introduced. And then for a long time, it felt like the show wasn't really sure what to do with <laughs> Kelly. She was just logging those IT tickets. <laughs> She had a, she was a Kelly of a million jobs, a, Ke a Kelly of all trades, if you will. <laughs> a Renaissance Kelly. A real Renaissance Kelly, <laughs> our, our Kelly guardian was. And, uh, <laughs> and finally, it felt like, okay, like now like the social work and the guardian like made sense for her character it was like really logical progression of the character. And I just wish it had happened earlier in the show's run. I think it would have been more impactful. It would have made more sense. 
And uh, by the time that they, it was like the Lena Witch thing, which we'll get to later. But it was like, <laughs> you, how, how are you going to introduce that? Like one of your major characters is like this like comic book thing, like five episodes before the end. Like suddenly Lena's a witch and Kelly's guardian and no one's normal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's kind of tough to buy into as a viewer. Um, let's see. I think you talked about some of the things I was going to bring up. Uh, I, I also thought that the Midvale episodes pretty much worked for me. I liked getting to spend, to spend time with the young Danvers sisters and young Cat Grant. Uh, I wasn't crazy about the, the time travel and the Brainy and Mia aspects of those. I would probably put that under what didn't work because it didn't make <laughs> any sense that they would need to time travel back to her high school years when no. they could just time travel back to right before the like splits her in the Phantom Zone. It's best not to think about so it. So <laughs> that, that didn't really work for me. But I, I will say I agree with you about Mia's reconciliation with Maeve. I thought that worked really well. Um, let's see, uh, Esme, I would agree also worked for me and Esme, I think, oh, I don't know. I don't know. We, we'll have to save this. Uh, maybe we'll do a Supergirl radio awards where we uh, like, um, award our MVP of the season. So we'll, we'll save that kind of talk for it. But, uh, I think Esme is a contender for sure. Uh, cause Esme really, anytime she was on screen, uh, it was great. Um, so I, I'm glad that they did pay that, that part of Alex's <laughs> character off. I, I did think Nixley worked for the most part. Um, I really enjoyed uh, the the episode in the the ending scene where she took down the Ormfeld building. I was like, yeah, that's a villain. That's what I'm talking about. And so we I got all season. <laughs> I I think that was the most I was excited about Nixley because I was like, oh yeah, she's willing to take buildings down and destroy something Supergirl is really excited about. And so I was very she's excited just, about. She's just evil for evil's yeah. sake. Like it's fun. That was that was exciting. So I think for the most part, I think Nixley worked. We'll we'll talk about some of the things about her storyline that maybe didn't work but uh but i think for the most part nixley uh worked i also thought something that worked for me that i thought was uh was a good connection point between two characters who really hadn't spent a lot of time together was uh the connection point between lena and nia over the their mothers yeah i thought that actually worked really well because it made sense for both of their characters and especially what their characters were going through it was almost like you know, they were <laughs> caring about the characters <laughs> and the writing and actually made the um, made the connection that the two of those characters had kind of the same issue and the same problem. And they were able to kind of get through those issues together. And I thought that worked really well. Yeah, that was great. I, I, I always like it when um, Lena has so many scenes with Kara and I think that they're great. And I thought that this season she had like a lot of really good Kara scenes. Um, where they would like talk about what's going on in the episode or they talk about like how Carr is feeling. But I, I she's sometimes she was fell a little siloed over into like a little car section over here. And I like that this season she got to have a lot of scenes with with Nia. She got to have scenes with Brainy where she was like, listen, who among us hasn't briefly gone evil? <laughs> <laughs> you can't beat yourself up about it, Brainy. You know? <laughs> like, let it go. Uh, but I like that she got to connect with some of the other characters on different on different wavelengths about things that are were similar in their storylines. And I think that that's, it's always nice to see the connections between the supporting cast that aren't just like, you know, Kelly with Alex or, um, or, you know, Lena and, and Kara, like you get to see some of the other character, Nia and Brainy, like you get to see them all interacting in other ways and being friends with each other. 
Yeah, I, I thought that was a good choice because it, it sort of mixed it up a little bit. And I think maybe I didn't write this down in my list, but since you sort of mentioned like the idea that like they're mixing things up, I think one of the things that did work, even though I thought the episode sort of fell apart by the end of it, uh, was uh, that fear not episode where they. Uh, oh, yeah. They tried something different in terms terms of the formula of the episode. That was the episode where they had to face the fear visions and um, they it kind of jumped around in, in time. Um, and so I thought that was at least a, de- a departure of the forma- uh, formulaic uh, episode uh, writing standard that they had kind of used throughout most of the um, the show's run. So I, I was glad to see that the show in some ways was taking some chances on things, trying to s- take a, a few big swings here and there with the writing or some of the camera operation that they were doing. They were trying new things with different cameras. And so I, I appreciated that in the final season, even if I don't think the episodes were written all that well, or maybe I, I didn't think the storytelling was all that great. I at least appreciate that they were trying new things and not just kind of doing, you know, the same cookie cutter thing that they were always doing. Yeah, I think I think Fear Not was a good example of like the show deciding to like take a swing on like a really different formatted kind of episode. And I really like that. I mean, did 100% of it work? No, but I think it really got into the characters like fears and kind of like dug into the characters in ways that I think. I feel like we've been kind of like, hey, like, wouldn't it be great to know more about X or like why or how how these characters are feeling, how Alex is feeling, how how Lena's feeling. And I, I think that they used the idea of like the fear to really actually ma- have a good character story. And unfortunately, I feel like in season six, the opposite was sort of true, where instead of like the story servicing the characters, it was like the characters just had to follow the dots that the story like up oh, the pl- plot MacGuffin tells you to go that way. I guess you got to go. And it's like the plot should really be like helping the characters. And I felt like in that episode, it was like more of a character study with the plot helping that. Yeah, so I like that they were like willing to try out stuff like that. Yeah, I think the show did a lot better when it it, it attempted to do that kind of thing. Uh, unfortunately, though, I don't think it did it enough. But when it did, I think it 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 tried to to land on some beats that could work. Um, are there anything and is there anything else in your list of what what you think the season uh, did successfully? What worked for you in season six? Hmm. Or are we ready to move on to what <laughs> didn't work? <laughs> I feel like there's got to be more, right? <laughs> I'm just like going through a character by character. Like, uh, I mean, Lena, mm, she was great. I liked her hair a lot. Her outfits were were fun. I got, I like that she finally got to be part of the Super Friends. She was real psyched about that. Brought like a real nervous uh, extra energy to it that I like. <laughs> I brought some binders, guys, just casually, just a game night. Like you want to, you want to talk strategy, and like no one does, Lena. Uh, <laughs> so I, I. I I didn't like the the witch thing, but I did like uh, I like that we got like a little bit of backstory on her on her mom, but despite it being ridiculous, and uh, and that we got Le- we got Lillian Luther back a couple of times. We did always a, always a classic. I like that we got to see Cat Grant at the end. That was great. Um, 
Yeah, I'm not really scrapping the bottle of that bottom of the barrel now. It's like s- specific moments now. It's like <laughs> there was that iguana. Did I mention the iguana? <laughs> the iguana was a real, real star of the season. Uh, the only thing I will mention, uh, sort of rounding out my list of what I think worked, was the return of Mixes Pitalik or Mix Mixes oh, yeah. Pitalik. I think is how they say it on the show. But I thought Thomas Lennon returning as Mixie was uh, was a delight. Uh, I thought his um, his uh, singing of that parody of I will survive and sort of performing it in the tower for them was, (laughs) was a, was a great scene. So I I think he really works on screen as that character and he plays really well off of Melissa Benoist. And so I was, I was glad to see him return. And so I, I I don't, I, I, I wish that we had gotten to see more of him at the end of the season, but those are just, you know, me as a fan, just wanting to see more of him. But, but I think his return as Mixie, I think worked pretty well. Yeah, I agree. I think I think he did a great job. I wish he had uh we had seen him at the end of the season like get out of that little globe just <laughs> to know just to know he's all right. You know, like how you doing? Uh that would have been great, but uh, uh unfortunately that's not the way it went, but it was nice to see him regardless. It was nice to see James at, in the finale and win uh and to have that scene of the, you know, the original super friends kind of talking about how things all started in the DEO and that like abandon the <laughs> abandoned room and cat co and with with nothing on the walls i thought that was really nice i wish we had gotten a you know a couple more familiar faces pop up but you know well, COVID well, probably also yeah, impacted yeah. that unfortunately yeah I, I think i think we have to show a little bit of grace because some of the production was probably a little uh, little nuts. So I guess we could just point that out there. Okay, let's move on to what we think didn't work about season six. So uh, Morgan, I guess uh, I guess we'll start with you. What What are your thoughts? What 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 did you think uh, just wasn't wasn't working for you in season six? So many things. <laughs> um, I think my biggest complaint is I think both of our biggest complaints. It's it's that this was the season that ended with the episode called Kara and the season wasn't really about Kara. I mean, she, things happened to her. Certainly she did things. <laughs> uh, she went places. Um, she achieved things, but it wasn't really about her in any way that I would normally think of a show being about its main character. Uh <laughs> Which was weird. It's like, okay, well, cars in the Phantom Zone, and everyone's like, oh, who cares? Um, <laughs> like, a lot of the storyline should have been cool, uh, but just kind of didn't work out. Like, the, the Phantom Zone could have been really great, but it was just sort of medium. Um, and, like, some of the other storylines that she had, the... Um, the totems, I think. Uh, I'm going to go on record and be like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> that didn't uh, work at all. I'm good with totems forever, maybe forever, <laughs> ever. No, thank you. Because uh, there was a perfect opportunity. I think my problem with season six overall was like a lot of missed opportunities. There were a lot of things that could have on paper worked out really well and then just didn't in execution. And so the totems could have been a really great vehicle to explore different aspects of Kara's character like you know how she's courageous how she has hope 
um, how, you know, the different kind of things that we saw the Hope Totem do, the humanity of the character and like having Kara go through these struggles and go through these challenges and learning new things about the character. And that is in no way how I felt. I think that's what they thought the Totem storyline was going to do. I don't think it's what the totem storyline did. Well, she didn't even, she wasn't even the only one who did the gauntlet. Like, Jean did one of the gauntlets. <laughs> Dreamer had to go find one of the totems. Like, it wasn't even, I mean, the yeah, totems exactly. weren't even all about her. The to- there, the, there had to be a, a, one, a one Dreamer totem, at least. <laughs> Uh, which was fine. Like, I think if all the other totems were dedicated to other car to, to Kara, then like one being, um, you know, the dreamer totem would have been fine. Oh, cool. But as or, was, or maybe it could be dreamer helping Kara achieve yes. whatever she needed to do mm-hmm. with that totem. Only you, Dreamer, can get this totem. It's like, yeah, because it's called the Dream Totem, of course. I mean, I can read. Um, but, like, if all the other totems, like, related to, to Kara and sort of showed something about her character and, like, unveiled something that we di- either didn't know or just, like, reinforced something about her and, like, the direction she was going in or, like, it revealed a struggle that she was having. Yeah, that would have been great. But and I think that's and I honestly think I think when they like put that those like little sticky notes on the board and they like put the index cards and they put it up, they're like, we're going to have these totems and they're going to be related to like different things. And they're going to show something about Kara. And I don't know what happened between that grand idea and what filtered down to my television, uh, because those were different. Those were different. I think that they came, they started from a good place. And I think somewhere it went awry. And then we, we were watching, we were like, well, how do these things even work? See, like, you're going off the assumption that the writers intended to make it about Kara. <laughs> I'm I'm of the opinion. I don't think that's what happened at all. <laughs> like, I, I don't they think they like, had any intention in making they were the like, totems. We need about a Rubik's Kara. Cube for the end of this season because <laughs> boy howdy are we tired. Like well, like just give me a nice template to slip in like my dialogue <laughs> and well, then let's call it a day. <laughs> well and taking it a step further like i would be okay with the totems if other characters had to uh beat the gauntlets in the in the totems and it wasn't just about kara the problem with the totems for me was that it was they were confusing the the rules changed all the time they were very inconsistent supergirl really didn't have much to do with them in terms of uh beating them or uh achieving something and so it uh it it was not about Kara and it was also just so uh hard to understand and it was uh I I don't think the rules were set up very well and it was just really confusing and I think that was the the downside of the totems and why it didn't work uh for me and ultimately in the end it was just kind of like they didn't even have to, the super friends didn't even really have to do anything to defeat the big bads who achieved the all stone. They ended up creating the all stone and then they no. didn't really even do anything to defeat them. So they were hoisted I don't, by their own petards. Yeah. <laughs> it, it just seemed like the, the totem storyline was just something to give them to do for episodes. Um, and so I don't think it really, in the end, I think the most disappointing thing for me and why the totem storyline didn't work is that it didn't really seem to achieve anything. It didn't seem to have a purpose or any kind of meaning. I guess the the meaning, I guess, towards the end was that Supergirl needed to inspire people to to use their own power and have their own hope, I guess. But it just, it didn't seem like it 
went anywhere by the end of it. So I think that's why why it didn't really fully work for me. And just from like a personal standpoint, just as a person who watched the show, <clears throat> it was driving me nuts trying to figure out how the totems worked. And I think it's safe to say that you and I maybe put in a little bit more brain power and thought into <laughs> into the episodes than like the average person watching Supergirl. Maybe they watch every week and they're like, oh, this is fun. I don't know how if you're just sort of casually watching it, you can like follow the totem rules at all because there are no rules. The, the only rule is that there are no rules. It's Calvin Ball. It's Calvin Ball. It's Calvin Ball. And I couldn't deal with it. I couldn't deal with like, I don't, again, why was there an iguana in a museum? Just casually on some lady's shoulder. I don't know. That's fine. He looks happy. That dude It's because is they life. needed a dragon to show up in the museum. Exactly. I don't if 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 a storyline is ridiculous, I will go along with a lot. I will go along with a lot. But there were problems like the totem stuff would would change scene to scene. Scene to scene. It wasn't even <laughs> it was like line of dialogue to line of dialogue. Like the rules for the totems would be changing and I was like, "Wait, I'm sorry. I thought that you just said this completely different thing." And like it was just so it was so there were no stakes. Because there were no rules. Like, if the totem can be whatever you want it to be, then why do I care? Like, why am I so concerned about it? Like, you'll just abracadabra it into something different. <laughs> Lena can do that for you. <laughs> yeah, she she duplicated one of the totems one time, uh, magically, like, replicated it, a, a, like, a fake version of one. <laughs> we podcast about this every week. And if you asked me, if you sat me down, you said, Morgan, this is a weird conversation. I need you to tell me <laughs> everything about the totem storyline on Supergirl. You know, the the show that you spend hours a week talking about, I would just say, I'm sorry, and walk out. <laughs> like <laughs> I wouldn't even attempt it. I couldn't even attempt it for you. And that I think is uh that is a troubling, like if I can like if we can't even follow it. Maybe it's unfollowable. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to ask you to recount the totem storyline for us, but <laughs> I'm just walking right out of here. <laughs> Morgan has left the live stream. <laughs> but it's it's great. Like I if you're gonna have so much of the back end of the season revolve around these magical doodads, like you make the rules, just sit down in a room think out the they don't have to be this complex like ever they, the rules of the totems were like ever changing like just pick out like two or three like big rules of the totem put them on a board somewhere just don't violate those yeah just stick to them like yeah. i don't like it's a it's a fantasy show you need to have some sort of system to your fantasy you know doodad or, or trinket it's not that hard like many authors have done it for millions of years <laughs> like just establish rules and then within those rules you can do the story at like the the, the, the totem rules would change every week every week <laughs> yeah it was so confusing uh so anything else about the season that you thought did did not work oh geez uh lex i think you know lex coming back strong at the end of the season um, not necessary, really. Uh, and then immediately taking over the whole season as uh, as he is wont to do. He started in the beginning of the season. He sort of bookended the season with like a lot of Lex. 
Um, and the, the, the thing about Lex, which is weird to me is like, I've never like groaned more when a character shows up when I like the character. And I think the performance is great. Like he is a, a great, a, a great Lex Luthor, Ducky Lex Luthor, one of my favorites, but any time, like the, the writers were so obsessed with Lex that you couldn't just have like a normal amount of Lex. You couldn't just have like a great, like a Lillian Luthor style, like, like a little cameo cameo come in for an episode go out like maybe you know he's working on something evil he would just he just devoured the whole show every time that he came on and so even though i love i love john cryer's performance as lex luther and i think he's a great lex i wish that i wish that he had just been brought back like sparingly like maybe just for one episode in the finale or something like why the love story with him and Nixley, it didn't make sense. It it was so poorly thought out that even the actors were like, "Why is this happening?" Like, <laughs> you, you you know why? It's because uh, everything mostly happened off screen. We yeah. don't know. We don't know how uh, Lex traveled to the future. We don't know a lot of. I mean, he he tells Nixley some of the things that happened to them in the future, but we never see any of that. We don't get flashbacks of them. We don't we don't see any of their interaction, what it looked like for them in the future, and it just kind of happens off screen. And so that I think that's why so many of us, including the actors, were like, "What?" So I I, I agree. I thought it was pretty. Uh, I guess it was in a lot of ways too lazy and too easy for me with the Lex Luthor stuff. He got out of the legal trouble that he should have been in some pretty hot water. He and and Lena at the beginning of the season, I thought should have been in some real hot water for trying to mind control the world. (laughs) Even uh, Julie Gonzalo's uh, Andrea Rojas, I thought should have, there were three characters on the show. I thought should have gone to prison for the rest of their lives and they never did. Um, So that was one of the things that didn't work out for me, but especially with Lex Luthor, he got out of it too easily he fell in love with an alien, even though he had always hated aliens. He off even, screen, mind he, you. Yes, off screen. And he even in the premiere talked about how much he disliked Kryptonians. And by the end of the season, we're supposed to buy that he fell in love with a magical imp from the fifth dimension. And then uh, most of it was off screen. And so I, I agree with you. I think the Lex Luthor stuff could, should have been saved for like little small bits and pieces here and there. And maybe like interactions with Lena. But I, I don't think he should have come back uh, the, the fact that Lex was the big bad in season four, season five and season six is what a what a what a what a waste in terms of the fact that, like, you could have used other characters and, and you it, wasted opportunities. And it completely undercut Nixley, who was a who good was villain, a, who was great up until then. Who was a great villain that they completely undercut, like right at the end with this with this Lex and Nixley romance. That like she was basically much like the audience, she was just told that she was supposed to like Lex. Like it wasn't she was he was just like in the future, w- you know, we're together, we're a power couple, and she's like, okay. It was it was like the writers like telling the characters like this is what you should do, you have to do this, and it was so. It was so annoying. It was like the a lot of the season was like the classic Jurassic Park. Like just because you can, did you think about if you should? Like yeah, just maybe, because you maybe you shouldn't because, build that dinosaur. Maybe you shouldn't build that dinosaur just because you can use Lex Luthor as much as you want. Should you? Should you? <laughs> yeah. 
And it was, yeah, he, he completely like ate up the, the end of the season. And I think it's um, the, the Lex and Nixley thing is sort of like another issue I had with the season, which is that like things were popping in off screensville, but we missed a lot of it. Like yeah. <laughs> Alex telling Kelly about uh, that car, car, is car being off screen. Like so many things that would happen off screen and they would just like throw a line. Like you'd be like, wait, what happened? They throw a line of dialogue like, oh, yeah, I, I told I told her about that earlier. Oh, that that huge plot thing that we've been waiting for. I remember <laughs> us being so confused about that because for such a long time, we never knew if Kelly knew that Supergirl. <laughs> we questioned it for so long. <laughs> Yeah, that would that was that's a that's a fault in the writing that that kind of thing happened. And we were so confused as the audience like and it wasn't just us. I know people on Twitter. I saw people on Twitter talking about it. Our listeners were talking about it. Yeah. So it was it was an overall audience confusion. And that's that's <laughs> that's mishandling uh, from the writers. And what was what was more strange to me. Uh, was after that the showrunners were like well we didn't feel like we needed to put that in because you know that that's already kind of happened with some other characters and i was like no you still have to address that <laughs> like you yeah still, it's, it's a still big a deal big, and it's like it's maybe you could make the argument like well you know Kara uh, and kelly aren't close so like it doesn't matter but uh you, kelly and alex are kind of close You could could have made it about Alex and Kelly and told it from, like, the relationship point of view. Like, presumably, that's a pretty big secret that your partner is just sitting on for a really long time. How does Kelly feel about that? Chill. She feels chill about it. She's good. She's good. (laughs) Because that that could put Kelly in danger. Uh, So that's something that Kelly would need to know. That's a big deal. Yeah. Uh, Yes. So, unfortunately, a lot of things happen in Off-Screensville. Off-Screensville. Uh, a lot, a lot happened. I, I don't think, uh, I hate to bring my boy Jason Bear into this. <laughs> uh, because again, highlight for me. I think I know where you're highlight. going. <laughs> but he, uh, there was just so little connection between Kara and her dad. It was like, she finds out her dad is alive, which I think we could argue is, is taking away Supergirl's primary trauma in the last season and making both of her parents actually alive. Uh, does that like undercut a little bit of the character that we've got, whatever. Uh, <laughs> but there was just, there was so little, it felt like they gave those two characters so little time to like talk or have like emotional moments with each other. And when he decided to go back off to Argo, she was just like, all right, see you, dad. Like you thought he was dead for like most of your life you just found out like the really like jason bear's character also had like very little trauma from spending years and years and years in he, the phantom he, missed zone. To, he, he thought earth was krypton that was like his big thing is he <laughs> he, he missed he misspoke one time and said said krypton instead of earth and that was his big trauma. he got to earth and he was like should we stop polluting and everyone's like Shh, we like polluting and he was like all right <laughs> off to argo uh <laughs> it was just i wish that they had done this is like a huge deal for Kara for her character for her storyline, her family. Now her both of her parents are alive. That's a and huge deal for huge Supergirl. Huge deal. I don't feel like we ever really got to see her. Pro- she was very laissez-faire about her dad being alive. She was like, "Oh, hey, dad, what's up?" 
And she spent most of the Phantom Zone time with him. Like, we need to get out of here. I need to get back to Earth. Like, she didn't even like, uh, and I understand this is another one of those things where I feel like I have to show a little grace to the show because of Melissa Benoist's maternity leave. And they had to work around some of those issues. But at the same time, I and I would agree, this is on my list of things I did not think worked about the season was the fact that now Kara's both of her parents are alive and the show was completely uninterested in exploring that part of Kara's character. Even if you couldn't do it at the very beginning, you still could have done it towards the end when Melissa was a little more involved. Um, yes. And I, I think it's really unfortunate uh, in my personal opinion that they, they had Zorel show back up and they spent the entire season. And I, I mostly liked the episode. Welcome back Kara. When they explore uh, yeah. Kara's trauma at the end, um, with uh, Alex and um, Cara in that scene at the very end where Melissa uh, has such a good performance where she's talking about the things that uh, that she's kind of scared of uh, from her, her fallout from the Phantom Zone. But they spend most of that episode about climate change. Like, it's not even really about Cara, her fallout from the Phantom Zone, her, her joy about her parents being alive and the possibility that they could be all reunited as a family. That's not even that's not even something that's really brought up. The whole episode is how do we save the ocean? <laughs> and I'm going to tie garbage this into- monster. <laughs> okay, Kellex's garbage monster was good. I will say that that did work for me. And and I like that I called that he was misunderstood just from the promo. <laughs> he's, he's misunderstood. I was like, I think I think we're we're judging the garbage monster too harshly, guys. Let's all <laughs> calm down on our judgments. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But I will say one of the things that was also on my list of things I did not think worked was the the theme, the theme of power. The idea that you have to have an overall theme for the storytelling. I know we talk about it all the time on Supergirl Radio about how. That's not a great way to write episodic television. Um, really but, but I think the idea of how they wanted to write the season around this idea of power, that's, and I think you've mentioned this before, Morgan, where like if you have that as your starting point for what you're going to write, you can't really deviate from that. So when you stick yourself in a box, I'm writing a story about power, then if you want to go and explore cars reuni- uh, reuniting with her parents on Argo City, well, you c- you have to stay on that road. You can't really deviate and get on another road. You have to stay there. And so I think the idea of their uh, their need to ride around a theme prevented them from exploring other options. Because, I, I mean, I could see in Rebecca's version of the Supergirl TV series, a second half where Kara goes... And uh, goes with her father to Argo City and reunites with uh, Alora, and they explore some of that and kind of, you know, maybe the fallout of her Phantom Zone experience gets explored there in Argo City and she kind of heals from that and whatever. I could see that being something that could have happened in the season and it would have been a, <laughs> it would have been about Kara and it would have been about her character journey, but that was not the priority for them. The priority was the exploration of power. And even so, I did not think that worked. Because yeah. <laughs> they they could not decide what they thought power was about. It seemed like they thought, by the end of it, in my opinion, it made it seem like the writing considered power to be bad. Like Supergirl can't use all of her power because that's what villains do. 
So she had to find a way to just give a hope speech and not use her power. Supergirl is one of the most powerful beings on the earth. And she was not allowed to use her power at the end. And so it's strange to me that they, they explored this idea of power, but it seemed like power was always bad. And I yeah. just thought that was strange on a TV show with superheroes. We didn't get to see her use her powers for good. Like she yeah. was Supergirl had a like season six was a bit let's just be honest like a bad season for supergirl just like on a personal superheroing level where it just felt like every time she went to do something superhero or like fight the villains like i don't can't i can barely remember her winning any any time at all in the whole season and you could argue she didn't even win in the finale they beat themselves (laughs) (laughs) the the best Kara moment for me and uh, I, I think for me, in terms of like Kara being super heroic or heroic, was not even Melissa Benoist. It was Isabella Vitovich when uh, she's on the uh, when, uh, on Naxum's sh- ship and she says, you want a Kryptonian? You got one. And she, you know, has this really <laughs> awesome like super old moment there. And it wasn't even her in a cape. It was just her being Kara and and owning her power there. So I, I, I really do think it's unfortunate that Supergirl really didn't have. Like, if you think on past seasons of Supergirl, you think of Supergirl, you know, carrying Fort Ross or Supergirl pushing back the ship to, you know, when Alex, you know, in, in Exodus, when Alex is on the other side of the window and they're touching hands and and she's really using all of her strength to, to do that. And so there are moments in the show where it really showcases how strong Supergirl can be. And uh, I think it's it's actually kind of unfortunate and uh, sort of defeats the purpose of what the show originally was about, was about uh, showcasing the power of a female superhero. And by the end of the show, she's like, I'm just not going to use any kind of power. I'm just going to like, <laughs> I'm just going to like talk to you and say some things. Tell you something like just the whole, it was a whole season of Supergirl just getting bodied by like everyone. It was really <laughs> hard to watch. Honestly, I was like, can Supergirl win one fight? Like that's not too much to ask one fight. And uh, talking about things that, that didn't work for me in season six, the superfication of all of the super friends uh, was a big problem for me because Supergirl started out the show as like the superhero on the show. And by the end, they weren't even, they weren't even like, we have to call Supergirl. It was like, get me an exclusive with the super friends. Like (laughs) any of them would have done like, (laughs) Is there a tier to the Super Friends, maybe? Is there, yeah, like, what makes like Supergirl a, special? Is there maybe like a lead singer to the Super <laughs> Friends? No. No, they're all the same. They all uh, sing, They all sing solos at yes. different points. It was so, like, it, it like every, the fact that every character had to have a superpower or be a uh, a superhero by the end of the season, thus making Supergirl just one of several options for National City, uh, <laughs> sort of a like a uh, like a pick your poison. Uh, it was just so strange. And like by the end, they weren't even like we have to call Supergirl. It was like, what's going on with the Super Friends? Like the, the when Supergirl transitioned over into the Super Friends, like that's when I was like, I don't. I already didn't like it last season. I don't I don't I think that was maybe a controversial opinion when Alex decided to be Sentinel or decided to be a vigilante and wear an outfit and put on about a pound of eye makeup. I was like, <laughs> why do we need this? Yes. She was don't, already don't doing this the, stuff. The, the blue streak in her hair. The don't, blue streak don't in her hair. Forget. 
<laughs> she clipped that Claire's blue streak in. <laughs> She's like, I got a million of them. Don't worry. Um, and she was off to the races. But I didn't feel like she needed it. She was doing just fine as Alex Danvers. And the same thing with Lena Luther, where like suddenly Lena needs to be a witch. She was the at that point in the season, she was the only normal human character. But they couldn't even let there be one. They couldn't even let there be one human character in the whole group. And the reason that that didn't work for me, because I like like you, <laughs> I'm willing to go with whatever you want to make Lena witch. <laughs> exactly, great, great, make her a witch. I don't care. She has ESP powers in the comics. I'm willing to go with it. But the problem with it is. By the end of the season, because what I thought was going to happen was Lena, who had magic, was going to go up against Nixley, who had magic. And then that (laughs) didn't happen. And Lena's magic had no purpose for anything. Yeah, it was like like you made this human character who actually could could uh, be beneficial to the team just based on her science and her knowledge and her skills. But then you made her a witch and then it didn't even really matter in the end they made her a witch to no purpose i like i i feel like it was like a week or two after the finale somebody like i saw a tweet that was just like wait a minute lena's magic had came into play like at no point during that fight with nixley and why did she become a witch and i went oh my god because (laughs) i figured i figured that the okay i can deal with the the lena being a witch thing even though it's ridiculous because clearly, like, they're doing a whole thing with magic, and magic is a sore spot for Supergirl, um, because it is for Kryptonians. And so they need a witch, because Lena's going to come in clutch at the end. Lena's going to come in clutch. She's going to help save the day, help turn the tide. And she does none of those things. <laughs> she's, just, she's just sort of on the sidelines of the battle going like, hey, it's me. Lena, <laughs> like I, 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 why would you introduce, it's like, it's like you're introducing Chekhov's gun, but then somebody loses it about halfway through and you yeah, never the see gun it is just gone. We, we can't yeah. find the gun. I thought for sure, for sure, the reason that they were doing Lena being a witch, besides the fact that they were just like, let's do weird stuff. It's the <laughs> end. Uh, was that it was going to tie in to the villain who was magic. Like, I don't know. That just made logical sense to me. And then she just, I mean, she does a lot of spells. She's her magic is useful in certain episodes, but in the final episode, like when it comes down to it, no, not really. (laughs) Yeah. And they even, even if, even if uh, they didn't want to save it to, you know, the, the end and the big battle or whatever, like there's still some things you could have done with magic with Lena that, and maybe this is just me like uh, putting this on the show, but the idea that to me that would have been really interesting with Lena having magic was the idea that in season five, Kara and Lena had this big falling out and now they're starting to kind of be friends again. And then Lena develops these magical abilities. Well, what does that do to Kara as Supergirl, as a Kryptonian? If Kryptonians have trouble with magic, which they didn't really, I don't know that they expressly like verbalize that, but in the history of the character, Kryptonians have trouble with magic. And that could have been something that could have been really interesting to explore in terms of their friendship where they're, they're on the men, but now they have this thing between them that could be harmful and they would have to kind of get around that and figure out how to, you know, uh, navigate that situation. But that wasn't even explored either. So, uh, yeah, I think the Lena, I appreciate that they gave Lena a story and that they 
tied it back into her mother that they sort of set up in season four and five. But I don't think it worked at all. No, I mean, it was it's so ridiculous that I I remember like Mike was a couple episodes behind. He was like, oh, should I catch up with Supergirl? What's going on in Supergirl? And I was like, Lena's witch now. <laughs> and like that. But that's what it felt like, right? Like you were watching the show. It didn't feel any different than that. Lena's a witch now. <laughs> Guess what? <laughs> Lena's a witch. And it was <laughs> it, 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 if it had served a purpose, at least I could be like, well, OK, Lena's a witch. And that's a weird sentence to say. But. <laughs> But it was to some end. And uh, I think to your point, like, they kept saying, like, well, Nixley is the worst villain we've ever faced. And I was just like, like Leviathan was the, just the greatest like the worst, threat of. We got to do. I got I'm quitting my job. I'm going full time at this Nixley thing because she's the worst villain we've ever faced. And I was like, worse than rain. <laughs> okay. 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 Uh, if you say so. But, uh. I feel like if they had hammered harder at like Nixie certainly could have been the worst villain they had ever faced because Kryptonians have like, they have a weak spot for magic. And so that's where I thought they were going to go. But to your point, they never really hammered that home. It was like Nixley is the worst villain we've ever faced because it's the final season <laughs> and she must be. And she's got all of these Rubik's cubes to put together. And, <laughs> and if she doesn't find that small soap dish, she will, <laughs> she will rule the world. And you're like, I'm Okay. Okay, okay. Feels like there was an easier way to get there. Just <laughs> making it a little bit more clear that Kryptonians are have a hard time with magic. You got this new magic person. Lena's like, hi, yeah, me over here. I'm the new magic person. They're like, Shh, no. No, back off to the forest for you, friend. <laughs> Listen to some more Stevie Nicks. We're not ready for you yet. She's like, okay, I'm just going to put on a high lace collar and call... <laughs> <laughs> talk to my sisters in the woods and they're like cool cool <laughs> go do that um it was just like so strange it's like they had the perfect setup for her to like legitimately even feel like a bigger threat than other characters and they i felt like they fumbled the ball on that one yeah it's it's strange to me that they would in the final season of the show pick a an imp to be the big bad because by season six, I think we we started to, or at least maybe I shouldn't speak for all of us, but I don't think the budget was as high in season mm -mm. six. And no. so when you don't have a lot of money <laughs> to put towards things, you can't do a lot with effects. And so that's why they had to have Nixley cuffed for most <laughs> of the season so that she couldn't do a lot of magic. And when I think about that, I'm like, well, why did you even make that character why did you even bring a character in who was a magical imp from the fifth dimension if you had no interest in doing any magical thing? Now, to be fair, they did do the kryptonite dragon and they did do the giant <laughs> they cat. They did do the giant cat. But that was sparingly. I feel like they could have also set up, because uh, everything's a choice, right? They could have set up that her powers were like more limited, like like zaps or something she could have yeah. zip zap zopped all over the place and that could have been why she was so powerful and i can't imagine that like you know they they they're pretty good about alex's laser gun so i feel like they could have done that maybe more easily they could have find like low budget ways to have nixley using her powers in a way that was like maybe scary for supergirl like being able to like you know keep Supergirl in one place or like immobilize Supergirl and like 
I, they did that somewhat, but then as you mentioned, yeah, they were like, well, oh, these effects are too expensive. Cuffer. <laughs> yeah, it was it was kind of disappointing because they they did do some of the impish things and and it could have been really fun and and they are the fifth dimensional imps are pretty powerful so they could have been a real threat but uh it just in the end it didn't seem like Nixley was that bad uh, after all uh, <laughs> just looking in the chat uh let's get to some chat uh comments uh Emma says it would have been cool to have this be a nice full circle to the whole kryptonite thing last time Kara overreacted for some reason and this time there was trust so yeah if you wanted to you know, uh, explore more of the Kara and Lena dynamic. They, they, they kind of did a little bit where um, Kara did trust Lena to do some things, especially by using Myriad uh, early on in the season. I think that was kind of explored a little bit, but I don't think they really, they showed them being friends towards the end, but I don't know that we got like a real uh, progression from the, oh, you tried to mind control the world to get back at me. And now we're best friends again. And it's like, well, shouldn't there have been I, like a little bit of a progression to get there? I think the problem, one episode? I think the real problem was that they had that whole, you know, Lena turning to the dark side storyline in season five that they had to rush the ending on because of COVID, which was not their fault and was tough. But then they immediately put Carr in the phantom zone for like the first chunk of season six. And by the time car comes out of the phantom zone like lena mind controlling the world is kind of old news yeah <laughs> like it's it's happened so many episodes ago that if car was like i'm still mad at you you'd be like really still let, uh, let, let it go she just tried to mind control the world it's no big deal mind control the world look at she just made you tea don't you like tea <laughs> um, <laughs> um so i feel like they kind of missed their opportunity of like having uh, like complex Kara and Lena stories where they kind of have complicated feelings about each other because she was stuck in the phantom zone for so much of what I would have imagined that time would have been. And I feel like if maybe if we had gotten more time at the back end of season five for like Lena's redemption, we would have gotten some of that in the show last season. And like that would have kind of felt like it was had ended in like a more organic place with their friendship. But as it was like the season five finale, Lena's like, whoops, my bad. And Cara's like, no big deal. <laughs> and uh, onwards and upwards. And it kind of, you know, they don't really, I, I wish there had been an episode where Car and Lena kind of had that conversation, like the, some hard I conversation. I think the premiere did some of it, but I don't know. I think there's there's another version of the show where like they took their time with that, and it it was better than just one conversation. Like I I don't know. Maybe maybe I just want more from that. But I thought that that was kind of a really juicy thing that like they had this big falling out, and then what does it take to rebuild that friendship? Um, so I guess, I guess just time heals all wounds, I guess you know, <laughs> car, car stuck in the phantom zone, I guess was enough to smooth everything over. But, uh, but I, I, I didn't think the repairing of that relationship really worked for me. Cause I, I think it was too quick. Uh, well, was, Supergirl's a forgiving character and I think Lena was sincere, but it was, it was too quick for me. It was too quick considering that all of season five was about like the fracture of their friendship. Like all, like a whole, we spent a whole season on how uh, Lena was super mad at Kara, and Kara like really like wanted to make it work, and then they were kind of both mad at each other, and then like maybe she was mind controlling the world, and then she was like, "Ooh, mind controlling the world, 
turns out not great. Um, but it was a whole season. It was like, you know, 20 some episodes. And so to kind of patch it up in like a couple episodes, it's, I, it brought me right back to the, uh, the Kara and the Jimmy from season one, where you oh, spend yeah. an entire season building up to this relationship. And then in the first episode, they're like, LOL, nah. And yeah. it's like, oh, well, that's a, that's a letdown. And so, I mean, I think if you're going to spend an entire season on something, like the least you can do is spend a little bit more time on how like the friendship is repairing itself and maybe like, have a couple more conversations like to your point i think that there was some stuff in um in the early part of the season of like lena still feeling kind of out of sorts with the super friends and like feeling guilty and things about about kara but you know by halfway like by a couple episodes in it was like no one no one mentions uh, the the sort of the beef that they had last year and it was like that was kind of a big deal, but okay. All right. Um, and I guess one of the things on my list for what didn't work for me is kind of an extension of that because, and I hate to say this, but one of the biggest things that didn't work for me in season six were the Danver sisters and I that, know. that dynamic. And um, I, I really hate to say that because they were such a big part of the early parts of the show, especially in the first three seasons. And um, I personally thought that, if, if I mean, this is just I hate I hate to be like this because I don't want to be like, well, if it was my show, this is what I would do. <laughs> but in most TV sh shows like you want your final season to circle back to the beginning and be kind of a reflection of the beginning. And they did that a little bit, but I thought they should have done that a little harder with the Danvers sisters than they did. Um, I really thought that Carr and Alex's relationship should have been a real centerpiece for this fi final season. But by the end of season six, I couldn't stand Alex. I, I could <laughs> not stand her. I didn't like what they were doing with the Danver sisters at the beginning of the season when Kara had been in the Phantom Zone. And then when she came back, there was some good stuff there where Alex was like, you know, when when you weren't here and we thought we were going to lose you, I couldn't sleep, you know, blah, blah, blah. And and so there was there was some good stuff there. But by the end of the season, they sort of abandoned the Danver sisters because Alex and Kelly were getting married. So everything was Alex and Kelly, Alex and Kelly. And so when that happened where Alex couldn't spend time with Kara, then they were like, now it's Kara and Lena, Kara and Lena, Kara and Lena. And it's like, there was no middle ground. They couldn't, they couldn't mix it up to where like there could be some Kara and Alex stuff in the midst of that. So it was like, they, they just abandoned it. They kind of, wrote it to to the point where I felt like the Danvers sisters just fell apart. And I, I just thought that was such a letdown. And and for me, I thought that that didn't really work. And so I, I just hate that by the end of the show, like here I am saying like Car and Alex didn't work for me in season six. I, yeah, I, it's such a heartbreaker because their relationship and their sisterhood is really, for me at least, like it was the heart of the show. It was like the thing, the emotional center of the show. And so I think it's a bad, it's a bad sign that like it, it didn't, it barely felt like it was their season six. And I think, I think Kara's character really and Alex's character both really suffered from that because we didn't really get those check-ins with them um, on how they were feeling or like what their struggles were and, and them talking to each other about it. You know, we got it, we got it with 
Alex and, and, and Kelly and we got it with Cara and Lena, but we didn't have it with each other. And I think that was such a core part of the show up until then is that, that they were, they were growing and they were, you know, always growing and evolving in different ways, but they were growing together. And it felt like this season, they just like veered off into different directions and it didn't feel like that was purposeful on like purpose, like a purposeful writing choice. It felt like it just kind of happened and there was never any, you know, resolution to it. It wasn't like halfway through the season, they were like, Oh, you know, I really miss my sister. It feels like we're not spending a lot of time together. Like in the finale, Alex like walks up, grabs a thing from car and is like, goodbye. And like <laughs> just stomps off. And I was like, Oh no. Uh <laughs> Yeah, that could have been a story that they could have explored where something fractured them a little bit. And yeah. By the end of the season, they they came back around and it just it just felt like the show was saying, well, Alex is getting married, so now she can't spend any time with her sister. And it's it's a weird I feel like, choice. I feel like a couple seasons ago, we really complained about that mind wipe. And uh, like to take me back to the time of the mind wipe, I hate to <laughs> because at least that was like about Cara it was about and her sister, right? It was about them. It was about how hard it was for for Cara that Alex didn't know her secret and how Alex was like not trust, like distrustful of Supergirl and how tough that was. And like those are all Cara and Alex stories, right? And like I can't even imagine something like that happening in season six if if Alex had lost her memory of Cara's identity they would have just been like oh, all right and like gone on with their day i just it was yeah it was, it's weird to look back on things that i complained about a couple seasons ago and be like that wasn't so bad yeah <laughs> take the grass was much better take the grass <laughs> <laughs> iconic <laughs> iconic well i uh, yeah i i just i it it kills me that that i say that that car and alex just were kind of a, a big failure towards the end of the season for me. Um, that's that's just really unfortunate, but uh, that did definitely not work for me. Okay, so before we move on, Morgan, are there any other things that did not work for you in season six um, that we did not mention? Yeah, the the brainy thing. Oh, um, yes, okay. Not specifically brainy throughout the whole season, but I'd say more the brainy thing that they introduced, like Kara being a witch, uh, right at the end, where they were like, guess what your whole your people are dying and you need to go to save them you need to go to the future and merge with the big brain and you will cease to become you and you will become one of many or whatever you're uh and and but you'll save your people and he was like well that sucks because i've got like a whole a whole like relationship going on here and like a like a pretty nice place real estate's kind of crappy here and <laughs> like I like I understood it was emotional it was a weird thing to introduce right at the end but I was like okay so like all of our favorite characters are going to be fine except Brainy who's kind of low-key dead um that's a weird flex for the end of the show kind of disrespectful to Jesse but okay all right let's go we'll go with it and then at the last minute like literally the last episode he's like nah nah what they never explain. They never explain how are his people just dead now? He's just chill with he, that. He just he let care? he just let all of the Kaluans just die out. What? Why? And it's it's inexplicable to me. That whole thing was inexplicable to me. There was no nobody asked you to like bring up that they were all dying. Then don't bring up that they're all dying. Just let Brainy have like a like maybe let him do a smart thing. Just one in a whole season. 
He's supposed to be the smartest person. He's, he's a 12th level intellect. I don't think he is. Uh, <laughs> maybe he's like a like a one or a two level. <laughs> maybe he just put them together. Uh, <laughs> they never let poor Brainy be smart, which really sucked. It was like, it's like the one thing he's known for. And they're like, nah, nah. Um, but yeah, they, there was no reason that they had to introduce that storyline. Like none at all. And so then they introduced it and completely undermined it like an episode later. And I was like, to what end? To what end? Like, why are you doing this to us? Yeah, there really was no to, to, thinking about it. And a after you mentioned it, like there really was no reason for them to introduce that if they weren't going to do it. And I think for me, it would have worked for me if he did go into the future and sacrifice himself. Like, I would have I would have appreciated that choice that he would have done something really heroic and uh, would have uh, th thought about other people instead of himself. And but what they did was that it just seemed selfish on his part that he just really wanted to be, uh, you know, there with Nia. And that's just what he wanted to do. Screw those other people. So it just makes <laughs> it seem like a selfish choice. And it's it's also it's like if that's where he was going to go then don't introduce the big brain thing. Like, yeah. we would have been uncomplicatedly happy for him, right? Like, <laughs> yes, sure, at some point, he probably should go back to the future. Like, I think that's a time paradox. I don't know. But I'm not going to question it, right? I'm just going to be happy. Like, oh, look at Brainy and Nia are happy. Someone's catching the bouquet. I wouldn't have, like, but instead I was like, so just going to let your whole people die then, huh? All right. All right. Weird choice. <laughs> Maybe there's a scene that they cut where he explains like, oh, well, I figured out another way to save my people and still come back. Like, maybe there's a deleted scene somewhere <laughs> that explains that. Maybe it aired in the Canadian version. <laughs> it's in the, 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 the extended Canadian version. Uh, so, yeah, <sighs> I, I hope there's a deleted scene because otherwise it just makes it makes him look really bad. Uh, so that's a really strange choice. It's so unnecessary and so unnecessary. It's almost like bringing Magan back, putting her into the uh, painting on the wall. And <laughs> <laughs> but don't worry, we know that her and Jean end up together. We don't know where she is or how she's doing. But <laughs> at some point, he gets her out of that painting and they have a child together. <laughs> God bless. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, one of the things that we need to get to uh, before we wrap up our dis uh, discussion and look back on season six, um, Morgan, we really need to talk. This is very serious. We this need to talk. Serious. We need to talk about Lena Luther's wardrobe in season six. So yes. we need we need to do a proper retrospective boardroom or ballroom. And now Lena Luther boardroom or ballroom. All right, I think the only way to really do this is to go episode by episode. Do you, yeah. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. We're, we're going to go through all episodes, look at all of her looks, and I want you to pay really close attention to each uh, look from Lena. And by the end of it, I think we should make our choices for our favorite Lena look of season six so we can have a definitive choice. Okay. Uh, so, okay. Really, so really pay tough. attention. Pay attention to these choices. It's, it's going to, what we're going to also witness is, <laughs> is a, an evolution 
of her witch of her true witch nature coming out. It's gonna start small. It's gonna start with like <laughs> just a small little crimp in the hair, just like barely, <laughs> barely a curl. And by the end, the hair is free. The clothes are weirder and flowier. <laughs> There's no more jackets anymore. She can't be her clavicles can't be constricted by fabric. <laughs> she has the All magic right. in her now. <laughs> All right, so let's start with uh, season six, episode one, rebirth. Uh, some of these screen caps, I apologize if they're a little dark to see, but in this first episode, she really just has like a dark, like, like a dark blue suit on, uh, like a pants suit. So that's, that's kind of where her look starts. She starts off very Luthorian here in the premiere. So, uh, so that's what's going very on. Classic, very you know, classic, very classic, very Lena. Yes. Classic. Very, bo- very, very boardroom yes. for change. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Very much so. Okay, so uh, season six, episode two, A Few Good Women. Uh, This was the episode where she uh, testifies at a trial that really (laughs) should have been her trial, really. (laughs) Um, One of the the worst trial scenes I've ever seen. (laughs) But uh, she does have uh, the, the, I guess, the sort of dark purple uh, skirt dress, I guess. Is that more of a dress? Would you say it's kind of yeah? Hard I think for it's me. more like a like a like a suit dress, maybe. Yeah. So there's that, and I like her hair in that with the, and I guess this is part of the evolution as well. Where yeah, it's straight, you know, it she's she's still concerned with worldly matters. <laughs> she hasn't <laughs> a, she hasn't a, she attained the spiritual the the magic realism that we are we will come to expect later. No crimson the hair right now, just very straight <laughs> straight hair. <laughs> All right, so season six, episode three, we've got a couple of looks here from Phantom Menaces. Uh, so uh, just if you have any thoughts about any of these looks, I think this is kind of the same thing yeah, here. Well, again, again, we're still in the classic Luther realm. We've still got like a like a suit jacket or like a long coat, maybe like a double breasted. She's she still looks like she's ready for the for the boardroom. In in one in one, she's got on pants. Uh, but that's about as far as she's strayed from the Luther palette, basically. And she's starting to wear, uh, I think there's also not just within her hair. I think there's an evolution in the shoes. Yeah. So, so it goes from like heels to more boots, a little, or a little earthier it's, with the it's, boots. It's closed toed. So like she can, <laughs> she can do safe science if she wants to. Uh, I don't know that she's going to want to be on her feet with those heels on those boots, but the toes are protected. And that's an important evolution. She's like finally thinking about lab safety right before she's about to abandon the lab. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Season six, episode four, Lost Souls. Uh, So uh, we've got some boots here as well. This Uh, this is, I I will say, I think this is a low point for Lena Luther fashion. She's (laughs) in so many layers uh, that she's basically covered head to toe. (laughs) That's true. She's got on a a long dress over, over like high boots with like a full length jacket on top. Like they're all in, 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 in shades of brown and it looks like brown and black. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just kind of a, a dowdy look for Lena, honestly. It's not it's not my favorite Lena. Like I think I think this is a tough episode for her, and she's feeling it in those clothes. <laughs> <laughs> she is a lost soul in her wardrobe. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. So let's look at season six, episode seven. This is Fear Not. Uh, so 
Morgan, I just I want to show you the what the the full uh, blouse and I think there's a vest here, yeah. maybe a little bit in in, in this uh, screenshot that I have. But I also want to show you what's more of a close up version of the blouse because I was curious about what was actually on there. <laughs> They're little lipsticks. They're little lipsticks. So what what are your thoughts on that? I think so. In fear not, she's like. I feel like I'm part of the group now. I'm just one. I'm just. I'm just one of the guys here. I'm just. It's just me, your good pal, Lena Luther. I'm casual. I'm fun. I'm fun, you guys. I'm fun. <laughs> and so, and so, she's like, "Look at this fun print. Everyone loves lipstick. I love lipstick. Bright red, if possible." <laughs> and, and so, I think she just like she was really vibing with that shirt. She put on like a little vest over top of it. She's like, "Chef's kiss." This is looking great. I need to have at least two layers on or I'm not a Luther. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I thought that was an interesting choice with the lipstick. Uh, so there is that in Fear Not. <laughs> All right. So let's move on to season six, episode eight. Welcome back, Kara. So this is a, another uh, another blouse, uh, I think, vest combo. It looks like. It looks like a blouse, another blouse vest combo. Honestly, I think she was she was feeling that combo. She, you know what? She tried it out in the last episode. She wasn't sure. She wasn't sure. She was a little bit hesitant. This one, I feel like the confidence you can see it in her face. You can see it. In, <laughs> she's gone a little darker with with the makeup. She's like, you know, you know what? No, I like this. I think this maybe this is who I am now. I'm a little unemployed and I'm a little adrift, but no. <laughs> I'm a I'm a fun print and vest girl now, and everybody <laughs> loves it. <laughs> is is this maybe the progression to get to the more uh, like free free thinking free uh, free Lena Luther when she's kind of out in the woods? I think uh, so. I think we're starting to edge in that direction. Like the the woods are calling her, but she hasn't gone yet. She hasn't answered <laughs> that call just yet. Well, we're starting to get there. Uh, that makes me wonder at what point in the season did Katie McGrath know that Lena was going to be a witch? I wonder as well. I wonder, I would love to be a fly on the wall, honestly. And the first conversation where they took her aside and they said, Katie, we've got, we've got this great idea for your character. (laughs) Really? It's, it's got, you're going to get into some juicy stuff in, in this season. She's like, awesome. I cannot wait. I have so many ideas. And they're, they're like, you're a witch now. And she's like, "Uh uh-huh. (laughs) <laughs> if we ever get to talk to katie mcgraw we need to ask her at what point did she learn no at what point <laughs> she found out that lena was going to be a witch and how did she feel about it <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure she would be very diplomatic in an answer i'm sure but, she uh, would i would love i would love the uh off-air undiplomatic version <laughs> <laughs> so uh so the uh free-flowing blouse uh, with a, a, a special design choice. I'm not exactly sure what that is. Sort of black and white in there. Uh, that's only one outfit uh, for season six, episode eight. There's another one where it's a little more casual. Lena, she's got, uh, I think those are dark jeans and sort of a, a darker top, but she's got the uh, straight hair. Yeah, so we're she's got the straight hair. She's got, it looks like, is that, it looks like uh, it's a top, but it's kind of got like a high, high collar on. So it's kind of almost at certain angles kind of looks like it's a, a little jacket. So she's still, despite the fact that she's no longer 
in Luther Corp. She's no longer in that ballroom. She's still holding on to the vestiges of the life she once knew. <laughs> but she can hear whispering around the corner. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I do like her hair like that, though. I like the I like the straight hair there. Yeah, I think it looks really nice. All right, so this is season six, episode eleven. Now we're starting to get into witchy Uh-oh. territory in the season. So Uh-oh, this, this may be this may be the turn. Uh, so what do you think about this this look here for <laughs> Lena? Um, okay, yes, this is where it begins. This all begins for her. She's heard the she's heard the whispers and she's followed them <laughs> to our <coughs> Canada and. <laughs> And here she is in a cave of uh, just like sort of a just a hollow in a tree trunk, like a Keebler elf. (laughs) She looks amazing. The sharpest dressed elf in that tree. Uh, (laughs) I love I love this coat. I love all the buttons. It's kind of a lot of buttons, a lot of buttons. It was like, my God, could I put more buttons on here? And she's like, I think I can put some more on the sleeve. Uh, and I think it's got a little <laughs> bit of a, it's got almost like a military look to it. A little she's, bit. She's kind of going, she's going into battle. And what she's battling with is her demons, her own <laughs> demons in the woods. Uh, but I like this look. I like the, I like the coat. I like the, uh, the sort of the red pattern. I, I don't know if that's a dress, a black and red pattern dress, or if it's like a, a shirt. But I think, it, I think it's working for her. She's got sensible footwear on because she knows she's going to be traipsing through a forest later. <laughs> <laughs> I have to disagree with you. I don't like the coat. Too many buttons. There's so many buttons. It's, it, it, your mileage may vary depending on how much you like buttons. And we know that Katie McGraw loves buttons, don't she we? Do, she does love buttons. She might have starred in a Christmas movie titled Buttons. Uh, so I don't guess she has any problems with that. But And it looks warm. It looks like a warm coat for it does. Uh, uh, Canadian Ireland. But I, I just don't think that's something that I would be about. So uh, that's not a coat for me. But for Lena Luther, it's something that she enjoyed. All right. So let's go to season six, episode 13, The Gauntlet. What do you think? This is this is a little different. Now, now, now she's indulged the, the witchy <laughs> side of her family. It's it's begun. I yeah. think. It's, <laughs> <laughs> the trans the transformation has begun. So her, her hair is is wild and and a little bit more free flowing, but it's pulled back at the top. So mm. she's not, she hasn't let herself completely go. She's still she's still fighting with the combination of science and magic, <laughs> and you can see that embodied in her hair. Uh, her her outfit. She's still she's committed to that to that look where. You know, she lost her job and she's sort of adrift. Now it turns out she's magic. That's tough for her. But the (laughs) one thing, the one thing that makes sense to her in this world is her new look of fun pattern and vest. And she's not, (laughs) she's not, she won't let it go. She can't let it go. It's all that she can cling to at this particular moment in time. And so I like this fun pattern shirt vest combo there's like the white the the uh black and white on the shirt kind of contrasts nicely with like the blue of the vest i i, I think it's working for her yeah uh dr nicole green says this was the episode where we all knew katie was in charge of her footwear <laughs> uh because we do see lena with us uh, i guess sneakers on it looks like sneakers now sneakers on another person's couch some might argue that that's an unforgivable offense. <laughs> and maybe that's what the rift in that friendship should oh, have been yeah. about. But oh, yeah. 
How dare Kate, you put your feet on the Danvers couch? Those those shoes were outside, stepping through who knows what, and now it's on her couch. <laughs> her couch where she eats pot stickers. Lena. <laughs> yeah, I will agree with you. Not only uh, can you see the uh, the mixture of the science and the magic in the hair, because the hair is definitely crimped at this point, but I think even like the suit idea, there's still a little bit of a, a Lena Luther suit in there. But uh, but she's mixed it in with there's the heel the heels are gone. We're not doing boots anymore. We're just we're we're sneakers now. So I do I do like that <laughs> she's mixed that into a real casual look. So I appreciate that. All right, so let's go to season six, episode fourteen. This is magical thinking. We have a couple of uh, Lena looks in this one. So hanging out at Car's apartment, she's got kind of a a, a long. Uh, blue, I guess, sweater, sweater, if, if you like, want to yeah. call it that. And then we have uh, Lena with the, the green top here. Uh, Morgan, how, how would you de- define this look uh, between the various aspects of, of her attire here? Yeah. So it looks like we've got like a green long sleeve shirt. At one point, there's a black jacket that goes over it. And then are those, will we say that those are like pants? Are they leggings? Are they jumpers? Maybe I don't know. There's a boot. There's a boot situation in here as well. Yeah, I don't. They're if they're not leggings, they're like really tight pants. She could. She could absolutely go riding. Um, oh yeah, it looks like riding a beloved horse. Yeah, in this outfit, like this would be like you you put like a jaunty little helmet on her, and she is good to go <laughs> <Yes>. in this. <laughs> that is she's, what that looks maybe like. Maybe she's backsliding into a little bit of uh, a little bit of Luther boardroom here. Uh, she looks a little bit more put together, a little bit less cozy. It's like the it's like she can't now. This episode, maybe she's not hearing the call of the woods as much. <laughs> is she trying to push it back because her hair is up? Yes, I feel like I feel like she's trying to she's trying to push away the inevitable. She's like, I am a I am a science I am a science gal. I'm a science gal. I'm not a I'm not a magic lady. And uh, <laughs> and the, <laughs> the writers are like, no, no, you are what we say you are. And she's like, but but girls have been inspired to go into STEM, and they're like, <laughs> shh, shh, Morgana, be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> and this is this is her trying to hold on to science, I think. Yeah. Well, then at the end of the episode, I don't know. I think she she's abandons gone full it. Magic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cuz she's got the crimped long hair and then she's got another fun uh top on. So she does look a little more magical uh magical here. Yes. This this is a more magical style. I think that she's kind of she's kind of given in to some of her witchy ways. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's go into season six, episode 15. So I think, uh, I don't know. Do you think this is more uh, which which Lena trying to come out or is she still <laughs> holding on to that sign? I, I, would, I would call this look witch forward. <laughs> <laughs> it's, she's really, she's kind of embraced the witchy, the witchy style. Her hair is a little bit more free flowing. She doesn't have it pulled up in the back at all. It's just kind of out. It's just kind of like vibing. Uh, I like the color on her because it really brings out her eyes. It really makes them pop. They're very blue. And like the, the blue in the earring really goes with it. I, I think that this is a good, this is a good witch look for her. She's not quite like a, you know, covered in shawls dancing in the woods yet, but she's, 
she's trending in that direction. <laughs> I wish I had done a close up of her her blue blouse in this episode because I, I don't know what the pattern is there on on that one. It looks but... like it could be like branches or flowers, which feels correct. That which, does feels, feel... which feels character correct for her at this point. <laughs> it does. <laughs> yeah, and also I I don't I guess I've never noticed it before, but. Uh, Lena or Katie wears her watch on her right arm. So I'm assuming she's left-handed. I don't know if oh, that's correct. interesting. Uh, but I've yeah, never she noticed, might be. I've never noticed that. So that was interesting to me. Uh, also, Lena has a really nice watch. That so, is a nice watch. Yeah, that is a that is a big watch. She can tell all kinds of time on that thing. <laughs> yeah. So maybe she's still holding on to a little bit of her Luther uh, a wealth from her her past time as a as a wealthy influential uh, business lady slash scientist. All right. So let's uh, move on to season six, episode sixteen, Nightmare in National City. Morgan, I know I'm pretty sure we talked about this look <laughs> in the episode discussion of this episode, but uh, what do you think about this one? I think this look is flawless, if I'm being honest. <laughs> I, I, I see no problems with this look. This look is amazing. She looks like the uh, the, the lady from Theranos that tried to sell all the fake blood machines. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she's got like she's got like the black uh, the black turtleneck trying to look like Steve Jobs. She's got the dark <laughs> lipstick. And it's like, it's not super bright. It's like, it's red, but it's dark. And she's yeah. got her hair up in like a really sensible bun. This is, this is science Lena coming back out. Science Lena is like, I'm sorry, but there's still science to be done. <laughs> uh, we can't, we can't just witch all the time. We have to, there has to be limits. There has to be limits. And this is science Lena really asserting herself back into the fold. She's like, I know I know that I'm a witch and I understand that that is my birthright, but <laughs> one can be more than, than one thing at a time. I, I contain multitudes and one of those multitudes is science, Lena. And here she is with her hair up and sensible. <laughs> but even with her hair up, it still looks curly. It does still, uh, you cannot stamp out the magic. I think that's <laughs> something that we learned and Lillian Luther learned, like no matter how many hexes you put around a young girl's bed. <laughs> One day she'll she'll wander into a tree trunk, <laughs> and then she'll learn she was a witch all along. No talismans can stop her. You're a wizard, um, Lena. <laughs> you're a wizard, Lena. Um, okay, well, in that same episode, uh, we get a little bit of a different look. Uh, so what, what do you think about this one? This is a more casual Lena. This is, um, what I call eighties cat burglar Lena. So she's got, <laughs> she's got on sneakers. So she's ready for any situation. She's got on like a nice tight pant and then she's got on like a black shirt, but the black shirt seems to have what I can only describe as like some pretty intense shoulder pads like yeah, and they're is, puffy they're puffy they're they are pointing up towards her face um from her shoulder area and so she is she is ready to assert her dominance at a, in a male dominated field in like 1986 she's ready <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that is the second i think and final look in episode 16 so we're going to go to season six episode 17 i believe in a thing called love uh multiple looks for lena in this episode so morgan which ones uh, do you want to talk about yeah, so I think this episode really displays pretty clearly the uh, 
the the character progression that Lena is going through, the 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 challenges that she's facing <laughs> as a scientist witch, and uh, <laughs> and we see that she's 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 embraced the fun pattern. She's decided that the fun pattern is for her. The fun <laughs> pattern is what she's about now. She used to be about ball gowns and clavicles and and power business suits but that's not her anymore that's not her <laughs> she is scientist twitch now and so so she likes she likes a good pattern it does the pattern have flowers probably she loves flowers they are of nature as, <laughs> as is she uh she likes a nice black and white uh top whether it's got polka dots or it's got some other Rorschach type pattern she likes that she likes that a lot and then you know sometimes it's chilly outside when you have to be out with your spell book. It's cold in the, in the dark. And and no one no one tells you about that when you decide to become a witch, um, you know, at the end of the series that you've been in. And nobody tells you that when you have to cast a you have to cast a spell at night that it's chilly and that you should bring a light jacket. That's um, sensible, I think. It's sensible. It's sensible. You know, the 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 sun goes down, it gets cold. Yeah. And so, and so she's brought out a light jacket to sort of add to that black and white uh polka dot shirt. And I think it really works. She's got some jeans on, so she, you know, she's more casual. You know, she's fun. She's fun out there. Uh, I, I should note uh that in that look with the uh sort of polka dot white blouse with the the blue pants, I believe she's also wearing the white sneakers with this nice. outfit. Yeah, just wasn't in the uh, image here that we've got on the live stream. Yeah, so she's gone really to a comfy, relaxed <laughs> place where, like, she used to worry about, like, her place in the Super Friends. She used to worry about her place in the boardroom. And she's not worried about that anymore. She's like, my feet can be comfortable. I don't need to wear five-inch heels anymore. I can. It just, just let... doesn't make sense in the woods. I don't need to straighten my hair. <laughs> you know who never That's a lot of work. You know who never cares? You know who never judges me? The trees. <laughs> <laughs> and and I really like this for her character. I feel like it's a it's a great moment for her. She's really embracing that that casual look. Yeah, she starts uh kind of I mean, we see her with the bun, with her hair up in the bun, but it's still a little bit curly. So I, I guess when she is in the tower, she's she's got the uh the hair up and i think this i don't i don't remember when we uh when you kind of uh, came up with the theory about the science and the the witch looks and wh what that was saying <laughs> about her in her different situations but this seems to sort of yeah uh, play got, into that she's in the lab she's got her science bun she's ready she's yeah. ready to do science she's out casting a spell with her spell book she's got she's got her flowy uh, curly hair and the light jacket <laughs> I actually like that jacket. I I, I think that's I th a nice jacket. I think it looks nice. I think it looks it looks good for a, like a variety of weather situations too. <laughs> yeah, it's a, cl it's a classic. It's a class. Lena Lena is maybe not as rich as she used to be, so now she needs like functional basics. I think is what we're discovering. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Something she can wear for any occasion. All right, so let's go on to season six, episode eighteen: Truth or Consequences. <laughs> so, Morgan, what are your thoughts on this? I have a lot of thoughts on this. So to <laughs> me, in the evolution of Lena Luther, this is where we've really switched. A, we've really hit the light switch and she's gone <laughs> full witch now. We've lost her. The, the side of science has lost her. Dana Scully no more. She is uh, she is Morgana. <laughs> she is gone. <laughs> and, and you know that because she uh, first off, the hair is once again, it's pulled back a little at the top. 
but it's mostly free. It's mostly free and curly. But I think it's that giant, like, what would you call that? Like, it a, looks like the medallion that her, looks, like her mother's medallion. That it, it just in smaller form is what it looks like to me. Yes, it looks like a medallion that she has at the top of her of, of her shirt. Uh, it looks like that medallion maybe has some runes on it. Like, if you met this girl at, like, say you're hanging out at a party and somebody whispers to you, oh, that girl's a witch. You you go, yeah, that makes sense. Right? <laughs> like, you're not, you're not fighting that. You're not, with that look, you're not fighting that. You're like, yeah, no, she totally is. And that's her talisman that she has, uh, you know, <laughs> buttoned on her blouse. <laughs> yeah, this is a very witchy look. It's mixed in with like a casual look with jeans. It's a, a casual witchy look. <laughs> casual witch here. Uh, but she's definitely going full witch by episode 18. Uh, then at the end of episode 18, then we get her like her party, her party time look for Alex and Kelly's. Uh, was this the bachelorette party? This was the bachelorette party. Yeah. yeah. So what, um, what do you think about this this dress here? I like that when people tell Lena, okay, Lena, we're having a party. We're going to a formal event. Like as as witch Lena now, not not boardroom Lena. She was she brought a different energy to formal events. <laughs> she's now she's witch Lena now. She's one with the she's one with the trees. Uh, <laughs> she brings a real fun goth energy to every party <laughs> that she goes to. Parties, weddings, probably bar mitzvahs you she is gonna come in in her darkest eyeliner her blackest dress and her weirdest hair <laughs> and she and she is gonna bring the vibe to a very strange place and i think that's kind of what you can rely on for her now like she's like she looks like she just maybe like went to Chanel and then maybe Hot Topic and then she fused <laughs> the two uh, in a really fun way. And I like this look for her. I think that, again, she's embracing her witchy side, but she also wants to do something different and fun with her hair. And like, who among us? <laughs> she's trying something new. <laughs> yeah, I like the dress. I'm not crazy about the hair. So I, I the don't hair think it's is a very strange. Look. The hair is very strange. I don't have an answer for what's happening with it, if I'm being honest. It's... <laughs> It's a, it's a, like a weird ponytail with like several sub ponytails. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I like the dress, not a fan of the hair, but uh, she's trying some new things. So I appreciate that. <laughs> All right, so let's go to season six, episode 19. You could say the penultimate episode of the season. Uh, so this is the last gauntlet, also sporting some black uh, clothes here. I don't know why which Lena equals black yeah, clothing which, but that seems to be where it's going which lena you know what i feel like i don't know if this was like she was just kind of representing her inner ennui this season but like <laughs> not a lot not a lot of bright colors on lena this season usually we get more purples on her more luther luther purples you know but like this season it was a lot of black she was like well which is wear black and i am a witch so i must wear black um and i you know some of the black outfits are fun this one's not but um it does have a nice puffed sleeve there there's got like a, a little fun little jacket with like what looks like grommets cool. a, a lot of <laughs> are those buttons is that is that is this another round of buttons here this it could be buttons it could be like just, a like a grommet maybe or like a like an open area on the jacket. I'm not quite sure 
if I'm being honest, what's going on with that jacket? And then she's got like a a, a blouse that's got again the puffy sleeves. So I feel like I feel like the sleeves are maybe where she keeps her magic. I don't know, just based <laughs> on some of these outfits. But uh, she's loving she's loving herself a puff sleeve this season. It is really strange when you think about it in terms of our theory about where Lena's power comes from, from her, you know, uh, uh, her, sh- her, her uh, revealed shoulders, I guess you could say <laughs> that that's where we think her power comes from. But, in, but in witchy Lena uh, looks, her shoulders are covered up. So you would think that if a witch wanted to showcase her power. You, you would you think get those shoulders would, yeah, out. You got those shoulders out. But I feel like, like she has to still show she's a witch now, so she's different, right? But she still has to show that she's powerful. And the only way she knows that is through her shoulders. We've established that. And so <laughs> now the shoulders have had to get higher and higher, kind of like peacocking with her shoulders. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, and then the black choice is strange because on Supergirl, much like uh, a lot of uh, superhero shows, the villains uh, usually have black, which is why Nixley had black on the entire season. So uh, if you wanted to show that Lena was not a villain anymore, she's one of the super friends, I maybe would not put her in black so often. Yeah, I think I would do lighter colors with her. Like, I know that the purple is really associated with the Luthers, but like... Earthy what, tones. As, earthy tones are great witch colors. Yeah, like uh, let's uh, let's browns, let's, oranges, let's yellows. look at the tree. Let's get some green in there. Yeah, greens. Yeah, we could do different shades of purple. Maybe like mix that in. She's still a Luther somewhere in her bones. <laughs> the black got a little bit like same same for me this season. Uh, it's it's you know there were some fun looks, but there were also some like kind of really basic ones. And I was like, come on, Lena, we can do better than this. Yeah, so lots of le- uh, black for Lena in season six. All right, so this is a look that we've discussed many times. Many times. Uh, uh, especially in our finale review. But let's get into the uh, season yeah. six, episode 20 looks for Lena Luther. We have <laughs> m- multiple looks for Lena here in the final uh, episode of Supergirl. Yeah, she's uh, she's really embraced her witch side um, because there's no no hair up at all here. Um, it's all down. It's all flowy, except at the wedding where it was slicked back in some strange fashion. Um, but yeah, yeah, we have, uh, her funeral outfit where she actually, she respectfully straightened her hair. I like the funeral dress. It looks nice. It's very, very appropriate. It's very classic, very appropriate. We've got her Alina Luther Foundation. What does it do? What is it? Who knows? Outfit where it's like, you know, a throwback to the boardroom or ballroom. But she's got the red on, which ties into the lipstick and the pencil skirt. Even um, though she's a witch now, she can still fit in with the corporate business side exactly you can't, you can't pigeonhole her is the thing she's <laughs> <Lena> Luther. <laughs> you got the more casual super friends look she's like she's still kind of mirroring the black uh, the black and red there but it's a, a pant and like a just a more casual shirt uh then there's like the full lena where she's a uh, full witch lena where it's all you know flowing uh, curly hair and like the dark blue, which really brings out her eyes. And then there's whatever she ended up wearing to the wedding, which is like a like goth couture. Uh, <laughs> just is <laughs> like a, uh, she's at a different event than everybody else who is at a summer outdoor wedding. She is a <laughs> she's at a she's at a Halloween wedding, is what she's at. 
Yeah, so that rounds out uh, the Lena Luther looks in season six. So I guess, Morgan, we need to pick our favorites. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know if you 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 have the the memory. If you need me to revisit some in the visual uh, realm with the screenshots, just let me know, and we can we can hit those again. But uh, uh, do you, do you have a favorite? I think I have my top two. Um, okay. I'm going to be maybe a little controversial and say this was not my favorite season for Lena for oh. Lena Luther fashion. Actually, you know what? I'm not going to argue with that. There was it was not enough colors. The prints were fun, and I like that she committed to it. The print vest combo was a great combo, uh, and it kind of threw back to like when she was doing the uh, like the shirt vest jacket combo where she was like super business lena uh she's like don't mess with this lena um (laughs) but she was like you can mess with this a little bit lena (laughs) Uh, (laughs) i'm fun i'm fun everyone thinks i'm fun um (laughs) but i think my top two would be her crazy wedding outfit which really truly threw me back to the boardroom or ballroom days of old where she would wear something so inappropriate for the setting. <laughs> so truly mind boggling. Really the definition like, of boardroom or ballroom. Exactly. Like the exact definition of boardroom or ballroom. We didn't get a ton of that this season. We really didn't. But at the wedding one last time, she <laughs> delivered. She delivered because she was at a different wedding than everyone else. For sure. For sure. She was at a different wedding. They were seeing Kelly and Alex get married outside in a beautiful summer day. She was at a, 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 at a house of Gucci couture fashion show. <laughs> <laughs> and I like that. I like that. It reminded me of, of the good days of, of the, the days of olds where boardroom or ballroom was once born. Uh, <laughs> so I think that that's, that was maybe my, my number one look of her for her oh. this season. Okay, number two. Number two is a is a is sexy Theranos. I think is <laughs> <laughs> listen. This look was fire, firing on all cylinders. I was a little I was a little bit jokey about the last look because I don't know that I would ever show up anywhere looking like uh, she looked at that wedding. But this <laughs> is a classic look. She looks great. the uh, The lipstick is really working for her. the The bun looks fantastic. The black, even though it is kind of boring, it's it's a fun choice. I think. It fits her really well. She looks really great. She looked very, very elegant, like very refined. I would maybe invest in whatever fake blood company she was selling me. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I have a top one, maybe a top two. Since you did a top two, I think I'll do a top two. I think my top choice would be the um, purple dress from A Few Good Women. Uh, nice. When, when she shows up at the trial. I, I really, it really popped on screen. I really liked it when she uh, came into the courtroom and she was like, I'm going to testify, <laughs> even though this really should be my trial. Um, I thought that was a really great Luthorian look for her. And I really dug it. So I think that's going to be the top choice for me. I think maybe my this the second choice is a little harder, though. For me to make because some of the the witchy elements I wasn't exactly crazy about, but I think maybe this would be my top, uh, my second choice from yeah. the Gauntlet episode thirteen, where she she did put her feet up on the couch <laughs> uh, with the sneakers. But I do think it's a nice mix. There's some color. I think Lena in season six wore a lot of blues, which I thought was a a, a change of pace for her. So I like the if she's gonna go into the science witch. 
Uh, <laughs> I think this was a, a this was a good example of a, a combination of the two. She's got kind of the the suit, but then also the fun blouse and the curly hair while she's holding a, a tablet in the, in the lab. <laughs> yeah, so, I think this is the definition of science witch. This is like Dr. Science Witch. <laughs> yeah, so I like that. So if you're going to combine the two, I think that would be my second choice. So if we were going to do a top two, I think those would be my top two. I think those are str- those are all strong con- contenders. I think those are all good looks for Lena. And I- in a season where I felt like she was mostly she was mostly kind of in 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 black, like uh, which you know not not and not always super fun black outfits either. Uh, just like sometimes it was just kind of like a black dress or a black shirt and pants or something. So I, I miss the days of old when they, there was a little bit more visual interest to her looks. But, and uh, variety. I think she variety, used to have yeah. a lot of variety. There would be, you know, uh, dresses with the shoulders out or we would get the Victorian ghost uh, suit, you know, those kinds of things where you'd have a little bit more variety. <laughs> I uh, miss the Victorian ghost suit. That was a <laughs> That was an all-time great, or or a gray sweater, you know, with the casual oh, the look. Gray so, sweater. <laughs> so there were there was more variety in the past. I th- but I guess that makes sense for her in season six. She's she's poor now. She doesn't have, <laughs> she doesn't she, have a lot of income. She, she's she got to be a little more casual. She needs those basics that are going to get her from day to night. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess that makes sense for her character. Okay, well, thank you, Morgan, for revisiting season six and all of Lena's uh, various <laughs> looks. Uh, I think that's a good way to wrap up uh, the season six with uh, Boardroom or Ballroom. And this has been Lena Luther, Boardroom or Ballroom. Okay, so we need to make uh, some final judgments about season six. So let's uh, let's rank uh, let's rate season six first. So I just I just kind of made up a little scale. So out of seven Allstone totems, <laughs> how many Allstone totems would you give Supergirl season six? So this is out of seven. And if you're watching uh, with the live chat, you can put your rating in the chat. So out of seven, uh, what would you give Supergirl season six? Out of seven, this is tough. This is tough because i I want to be I want to be kind, but be honest. But I don't, think I need you. Don't to, have to worry okay. about being kind. Just be honest. <laughs> Two or three all stones, uh, maybe. I'm gonna three. Three seems fair. Three seems fair. It's generous. I'm gonna be honest. Um. But I'll I'll stop on three. <laughs> Two yeah. feels rough. This is hard. Maybe for, more correct. <laughs> this was this was hard for me as well. I I settled on maybe three point five because I I thought three initially, but uh, but I but the more I thought about it, I was like, well, all right, well, I'll give it some of the things that I thought it did well. We talked about some of the things that worked for us. I thought it had a few good moments and a few good episodes, but. Overall, I thought season six was pretty confusing, that it wasn't well written. uh, And it, for me personally, had a disappointing end for a final season about a show supposedly about Supergirl. That's what we're told. Um, So I think (laughs) I think as a whole, I would probably land somewhere between a three and three point five as well so uh that's interesting that we both have (laughs) (laughs) i will say the the highest in the chat is five the lowest in the chat is zero (laughs) um but maybe the most correct in the chat is nicole's answer uh i give it the hope totem that was yeeted into the sun (laughs) (laughs) 
I feel like that's the correct answer. Yeah, that seems about right. Uh, we will allow that answer uh, to, to be in the rating uh, for season six. Okay, so now, prob- I don't know if this is a harder question, but now yeah. that we've seen all episodes of the show, how would you rank each of the seasons? Ooh, it's like, so like top, top. top to bottom, like like first to last. Yeah, this is really tough because there's a clear upper half and a clear lower <laughs> half to me, I must say. <laughs> no, I agree. And at the upper half, I, I actually struggle on which one I like the best, which is actually a good problem to have. Um, so I would say, ooh, maybe, uh, maybe season two, season one season three in the upper half and one and two were really neck and neck for me. Yeah. It's really yeah. tough for me. There are things I didn't like in season two, <laughs> uh, but then there were also things I did like in season two. And so it's like really back and forth. Like I, 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 I didn't always love all the Monel stuff in season two, but I, I, you know, I missed Cat Grant from season one. So it's tough. So, but it had Lena Luther in season two. But we get Lena, we get Lena Luther, and we be, we begin our journey of boardroom <laughs> or ballroom. And and honestly, if I'm being if I'm being completely honest, I do feel like Lena is what gave season two the slight edge to me over season one. So two, one, three. Now we've come into our bottom. <laughs> uh, from there, four is for me a very easy easy middle, and then five. And then six. <laughs> five and six are pretty, yeah. I, I mean, honestly, four, five, six being the downward trend of the show uh, was very easy for me to. I mean, in season four, there were still a lot of things that were that I liked. We get to introduce to, we get more brainy, get introduced to Nia. There's still some good stuff in it. By season five. We get five, introduced to Lex in season four as well. Yes. Le- yes, we get. Yeah, but Lex was used to an effective degree, I think. We get an effective Lex. We get some, like, good villains, even if they're sometimes kind of annoying. They're really great actors who are in the role. And by season five, we're talking about VR. Um, so it's. It's a pretty steep hill that then begins. Yeah, I, mine is similar, but uh, slight differences. So my top would be one, season one, that I kind of go down chronologically. One, two, <laughs> one, two three, four. Mm-hmm. But then I struggled with this. I struggled Ooh. with the bottom two because season five was just wretched. It was pretty awful it it contained the episode that i thought was the most boring one of the entire show which is the one titled bodyguard the bodyguard that was like the most boring episode of i don't even remember what that was about it uh i forget all of it but like supergirl had to protect andrea it oh my god i forgot so, if i locked that out it was so boring and so when i thought about season five i came back to that I was like, were there episodes of season six that were boringly bad like The Bodyguard? And I couldn't say it. So I think the reason that season six, I would probably go one, two, three, four, six, five, because uh, season six had some more enjoyable things. 
It had uh, Mixie and Nixley. It had Esme. It had some guardian elements. So there were some things like they had a little bit of the Phantom Zone. So there were things. And then it also had the Midvale stuff. So I think there were some, and the Return of Cat Grant. So there were things that kept, when I thought about season six versus season five, season six outweighed some season five. So I, th- I think I would go six, five. I think that's I think that's really fair. And what I think is fascinating is scrolling through people's rankings in the chat. I don't think anybody has your ranking or my ranking. Oh, interesting. Which is funny. And a lot of love for season four in the chat. A lot of people uh, chose it as their favorite season. Wow. Yeah, we have one, two. Uh, maybe I was. Uh, we have at least two people who rate it. Oh, three, three people who rate it season four as their favorite season. Um, we get there's a lot of love for th- season three, rightly so. Oh, yeah, I love season three. Yeah, I think there's at least uh, at least three or four people who rate it season three, their favorite. And a lot of love for season one, too. Yeah, I, I, I think the 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 top three, like, I think you're right. I think there is a clear like top section of the show and then there's a bottom section that's there's a clear delineation i don't want to say specifically or outright like why i think that is (laughs) i'm gonna try to be nice and polite about it uh but i think there is a very clear delineation about the segmenting of the show um and i guess that makes sense for you know people different people you know different storytellers have different ways of telling stories and then different perspective so i guess that make that only makes sense um but i think the top three for me are difficult the only reason that i rank one up at the top is because there's a lot of danvers sisters uh there's a lot of comic booky elements season one had a lot of sterling gates stuff in there lucy yeah. lane silver banshee um uh a lot of those things that uh reactron was in there so a lot of very supergirl things and it also had cat, cat grant and established what Catco was for Kara. And she had a, I thought she had a clear arc about trying to become a superhero and, you know, what she was having to go through with that. And it also had a lot of my favorite episodes of the show in season one. So that's why I put it at the top. So I hope that makes sense uh, for yeah, one, our rankings. One and two and three were all really neck and neck for me in terms of like, I would have been comfortable with any of those putting any of those as my top slot, which I think is really talks to like the quality of how much I really liked those seasons. Like I, I kept convincing myself, well, maybe, maybe one because of Cat Grant and because of all the, yeah, like you mentioned all the comic booky stuff and really uh, emphasis on Kara, but what maybe season two, because it kind of took us into, you know, Alex's coming out story, Lena and sort of this new phase of the show um, and then, but then season three, we got rain and all that great stuff. There's so many good things in that. But now, like, so many people putting four as their number one makes me feel like I need to, like, revisit season four, maybe, and, like, give it another shot. There's, I'm not giving five or six another shot. I'll be honest. I'm not doing that. But <laughs> <laughs> season four has some strong points. It has the Red Daughter stuff, which I thought had its moments the reason i wouldn't put season four very high is because a i thought it was so topical to the point that it was preachy and annoying um i also thought the red daughter stuff was not 
uh, complete in the fact that like she appeared a little bit at the top of the season and then showed up kind of towards the middle and the end. And so it was kind of sporadic the way Red Daughter um, showed up. And I also thought the elite didn't uh, really get as much love as they should have in terms of their powers and abilities. So I think that's probably why season four is not, I mean, they had Manchester black on the show and he didn't even have superpowers. (laughs) Uh, I know that's not like, like they were telling a story in which he didn't have his powers, um, which is fine. But to me, that's, that's kind of a waste of that character. If you're going to have Manchester black on, you should do Manchester Black things. And the elite were kind of a, a downer uh, to me. A hat was hat was awesome. Hat was great. Uh, no Menagerie complaints. was great. She's a real campy villain. But I think I think the villains in that season, until Lex Luthor showed up, were kind of just so-so. Um, so I, I, I wasn't crazy about season four. Yeah, as much as I love Sam Witwer, um, I just didn't love the Agent Liberty stuff so much. But I did like the... Uh, like the um, Manchester Black stuff. And I liked the storyline with Jean and like Martian Manhunter with the two of them. So there were, there were some good stuff in season four. I think at some point I'll have to revisit and like give it a, a, another fair shake. I do think, I mean, I don't think it's on the same level for me as like the first three seasons, but I, I do think it's much better than the subsequent. <laughs> two. I think the second half of season four was really strong. Um, yeah, but then I'm also reminded in the chat that um, season four also had the mind wipe storyline. So, oh yeah, yeah. No, I mean I, I I wish I could say just like a straight out no, but like given what the the Danvers sisters content we got in like seasons five and six, like the mind wipe storyline was gold compared to that. <laughs> That's it's just a uh, season four. Like it had some strong things, but I would not put it at the top of my. I think there were other things about the show for me personally. Um, if if I'm and and these are not necessarily my list of my my favorite seasons. Um. I might if I if I was doing that, I'd probably do one, three, two. But I think in terms of like the strength of the writing and the story it was telling, I think I rank it a little differently, trying to be more objective than just like the seasons I like. So, yeah, that's a good practice and kind of trying to figure out how 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 we would rate something like that. All right. So uh, I guess it's going to wrap up our discussion about season six. But we do have some listener feedback that we need to get to. So I suppose we could go ahead and read some emails. So uh, Morgan, would you like to uh, start with uh, the first one? Sure. Our first email is from Emma, who said, uh, something that's bothered me about the totems since they were first listed is the humanity totem. Why does it exist? (laughs) (laughs) Great question, Emma. The Allstone was created by a fifth dimensional imp. It was destroyed and broken into into pieces by fifth dimensional imps. It was presumably meant to be used by fifth dimensional imps. <laughs> <laughs> so why the heck is humanity one of the aspects of the Allstone? Why isn't it something like, I don't know, impishness or whatever <laughs> the imp equivalent of humanity is? The writers replaced the Paragon of Honor with the Totem of Dreams because of Nia, but it wouldn't have made more sense to replace the Paragon of Humanity with the Totem of Dreams and then keep Honor? Honor is more universal than humanity. That's a good point. (laughs) What is this human-centric nonsense? (laughs) (laughs) 
side note, the Paragon of Humanity thing also bothered me during Crisis because, come on, the multiverse is way bigger than puny humans, but whatever. Yeah, the definition of humanity, uh, there's a couple of them. Uh, Humans considered as a group, the human race, the condition or quality of being human. Uh, yeah, so that uh, that doesn't make sense uh, when you're talking about <laughs> because they aren't human. It is a great point, Emma. It's a great point. <laughs> I don't think they thought about that at all, but uh, that is a great point. Uh, well, Liz wrote in to say, quote, Rebecca asked if Kara had ever called Eliza mom in the previous seasons, and she has. It was in the season five episode titled Alex in Wonderland, where the Danvers sisters find out about Jeremiah's death. They have the following conversation. Alex says he, uh, in Jeremiah, treated you like you were some golden girl. And of course, you you have love for him. And I totally respect that. But he treated me like I wasn't even worth his time. And Kara says, "Okay, so what do you want me to tell Eliza? And Alex says, I don't care. And I I really should have put more acting in this (laughs) recounting. I don't care. (laughs) Uh, Alex says, I don't care. And Kara says, you don't care. You don't care what I tell our grieving mother. And uh, so uh, Liz says, hopefully this answers your question, Rebecca. Thank you so much for making me laugh during long work days, unquote. So yes, that does clear it up. I I appreciate uh, you uh, putting that out there. I I couldn't remember because a lot of times Cara would say, uh, Eliza when referring to Eliza. Uh, So it's good to have that reminder that she did once refer to Eliza as her mother. Nice. I forgot about that completely too. So that's a, that's a good call out. Uh, so Ryan sent us an email writing, I had these thoughts after listening to your episode on truth or consequences. I actually agreed with Alex during her argument with Kara, maybe because I am also part of the LGBT community like her and saw her reasoning. But then after listening to your episode, it made me realize how badly this season has been written. I'm sorry, Ryan. Uh, <laughs> I was quick to hop on the car is wrong train, even though after listening to your thoughts, I actually agree with you that Kara was in the right. But how bad is it that my faith in Supergirl has fallen so low that I just assumed she was wrong when she got into an argument with her sister. Uh, I agree that William being killed earlier would have incited more of an emotional reaction from the viewers and I know the perfect time. In episode 615, Hope for Tomorrow, you know, the episode where Cara threw the Hope totem into the sun (laughs) and then just kind of like a smiley face that's just kind of frowning. (laughs) Uh, William gets taken hostage by Nixley. That would have been the perfect episode for Nixley not Lex, to kill William. It would have left the characters time to mourn, set up Nixley, not Lex, as a huge threat, and it would have given Kara a reason to throw the hope totem into the sun. Because in a moment of grief and not thinking clearly, she wanted to stop Nixley and save her friends so badly that she just reacts and throws the hope totem into the sun, also showing how she may have lost hers. But the writers wouldn't do that. That would be good storytelling. (laughs) I think Ryan has a good rewrite of that whole sequence. That makes a lot of sense to me. Ryan, I would have enjoyed that, I think, (laughs) because it's like better than what we got by a substantial margin. (laughs) Thanks for sending that in and sharing your thoughts uh, for that fix on that whole situation. All right. Well, Susan, one of our Supergirl Radio legal consultants, and I do have, uh, let me see, I have my thing here. Where is it? (laughs) So Susan, one of our legal consultants. Talking about the law. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So Susan, one of our Supergirl Radio legal consultants, wrote in 
in to help us understand dying declarations and William's video to Andrea. Susan writes, quote, just a quick note to thank you for giving me a reason to keep watching these past couple of months. You have been voicing my own thoughts and disappointments about the second half of this season to the point where I'm still watching mostly so that I can understand and enjoy the podcast. <laughs> to answer your question, yes, if William had the good sense to tell the video who killed him, it almost certainly would be admiss admissible in court as a dying declaration exception to the hearsay rule. So uh, Susan yeah. has linked that for us. So uh, we'll, we'll I, I can't remember if I put that in the video description, but I will after the live stream and also put it in the uh, audio podcast show notes so that people can go and look at it for uh, yourself if you would like to do that. So thank you for answering our question about the dying declarations. <laughs> Good to know. Um, Redlocks27 wrote in saying, Hi, ladies. I wanted to give my input on the William death scene from a forensic perspective. Redlocks27 is now my favorite writer. Okay. <laughs> One, when people get shot, they generally fall forward and then end up on their back. It always makes me laugh in movies when people get shot and just fly backwards matrix style. <laughs> <laughs> the firearm is a revolver. Dirty Lex, don't leave the shell casings behind, which is typically a a, a 357 a, or a 357 or a 38 in ammunition. My brain just like clamped down on that. Yeah, I think um, when people talk about guns, I think they normally talk about the 357. Yeah, they generally pack over 500 pounds of kinetic energy into the target. So William, at closer than five feet, would have definitely fallen forward and been clutching his chest. Sometimes when people get hit, they do fall backwards, but it depends on circumstances such as running away. Uh, two, the revolver looked kind of small for a three, uh, 357 or 38. So it might have been a 22 revolver, which can kill people, but it's a lot harder. Stay with the 357, Lex. <laughs> Uh, red 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 box 27 should you be giving hints here should, should <laughs> give, don't give him advice should you be giving advice on to the, to the killer uh three william's death was definitely not realistic at least they did a slow motion scene for him realizing he was dying side note no goodbyes to the canadian banking baking girlfriend <laughs> <laughs> i like that we've established this as like a, a part of the canon uh, <laughs> when the heart explodes from a bullet you don't have five minutes of life left the body will shut down after two or three minutes and then the death gurgle will happen four blood spatter time <laughs> we're getting dexter here uh, <laughs> at first i was impressed with the first scene of the shooting two holes in the shirt and no insane levels of blood yet that placement is good to lex's credit the gun aimed to the body angle seems off but that is probably for shot placement i let it slide for drama's sake uh next is when he turned around and stared at the phone when you get shot in vital organs like the main organ for you know pumping blood there <laughs> should be more coming out and making what's called a saturation stain they appeared to have started to do this early props to the wardrobe department I've seen quite a bit of gunshot victims, and there's typically a lot of blood going everywhere, especially the victim's hands. I see nothing on William, despite him touching the area multiple times. <laughs> and this is where I sighed and said, nice try. <laughs> <laughs> the area is, the stain is saturated, but only because they literally dumped fake blood on him while he was lying down, causing directionality to to some of the blood on the shirt. The ground underneath him and the rug should also be covered in blood from the massive exit wounds he should have. 
basically, if his lungs and heart didn't explode from this, he would he would bleed out without immediate attention. Bet he was not carrying a chest seal in his pocket. Uh, five, not to be too morbid, but I want to know how long he was laying there dead. <laughs> no, that's not too morbid. Don't worry. <laughs> the body immediately begins breaking down upon death and smells usually begin in an hour or two. Also, why did Kara feel for a pulse? Does she not have x-ray vision and can hear heartbeats or lack thereof? Those are some really great points. Thank you for sharing Very your, thorough. <laughs> your expertise on uh, William's death scene and uh, what that could be like. We have a comment that's just a CSI, National City. <laughs> <laughs> some good points from a forensics expert. All right. Well, Gina wrote in to share some thoughts related to Supergirl's legacy, uh, which we uh, covered last week because we had to switch our episodes around. We were going to do the season retrospective before the legacy episode, but then we did the finale episode. Uh, finale feedback episode we got uh, mixed around so this is um gina writing in about supergirl's legacy saying quote love or hate it it, the one thing the berlanti shows have done for many viewers is introduce not as well-known comic book characters one of the reasons i was annoyed with the introduction of the new superman show is that we've had so many iterations of the character's story and i'm a superman fan i'm annoying there's another batman film because we've had two trilogies and then some on the big screen <laughs> i understand that actually to be honest um uh gina goes on to say supergirl was the only berlanti show i was really into and i wanted to watch the show because i was a superman fan what the show did for me was open my eyes up to the fact that Kara Zorel isn't like kal-el she just she isn't just a female version of superman like many people think including myself at the time What I've learned by watching the first season is her experience with Krypton's destruction is so much more traumatic than it was for Clark. Not to say he doesn't have any issues of his own, of course. She was old enough to understand what was going on, even if at the time she didn't understand the lasting trauma it would have on her. The idea of dual identities looms heavier on Carr because she had a complete identity as Carr Zor-El on Krypton. She had to learn to become Kara Danvers on Earth and take on that identity. Then she took on this third identity of Supergirl. So to me, Clark deals with Clark Kent and Superman, but Kara has to deal with Kara Danvers, Supergirl, and Kara Zor-El. All that to say, without this show, I honestly would never think to look so deeply at what Kara's had to deal with. Here are some lasting legacies of the show for me. Number one, Melissa Benoist is Kara Danvers. For all the questionable things the writers of the show have done, specifically the last couple of seasons, one thing the show has has had is a great record uh, of casting. Just like the shows before, without the right leading actor, the show could go down the toilet quickly. Who knew they would find the perfect embodiment of Kara Danvers in Melissa? And actually, just as a side note, I think that uh, Melissa Benoist was the first person they saw when they were casting. Oh, wow. I think that was the the thing with uh, Stephen Amell as um, Oliver Queen as well. If I remember my history of the show correctly, I want to say she was the first one to uh, go into audition. So uh, it's kind of interesting that that uh, she set the set the bar really high. <laughs> um, so uh, fact check me if that's not right, but I think that's correct. All right. So continuing on in the email, Gina says, "Quote: You can play Supergirl, however." Any future super uh, uh, future show or movie wants to portray her, but in my mind, the actress you pit it against will be her. She brought such a vulnerability to the character that you could relate to her in so many ways, even though her abilities make her basically a god. Ugh. Melissa was so good when you let sh- uh, when you show her talent. I think what angered me the most was at the end uh, was how much they took her for granted uh, uh, that they hadn't 
I'm reading this completely uh, badly. <laughs> Melissa was so good when you let uh, when you show her talent. I think what angered me the most at the end was how much they took her for granted uh, what they had in her. And number two, the Danvers sisters. Forever and forever, the show will always be known to me for giving us this relationship. Giving Kara a human sister and Alex was a brilliant non-comic book canon aspect of the show. Of course, casting Kyler Lee as Alex and her real connection with Melissa Benoist made the relationship work even more. But their whole relationship until the end was one of the reasons I tuned in week after week to the show. You love to see the support and love they have for each other and it hurt to see them in any sort of conflict. You would think that there would be more fights than hugs between a human and alien sister, but the show proved to us it didn't have to be that way. I will miss uh, them the most, and honestly, ha I had been missing them for the back half of the final season. While I said there will be actresses that will play Supergirl after Melissa, I honestly don't think this relationship can be replicated without the two actresses playing Kara and Alex. I'm okay with them portrayed in comic books, of course. Number three... Uh, Lena Luther, much like Supergirl was seen by many as the female version of Superman, I definitely went into season two seeing Lena as the female version of Lex. I knew zero things about Lena. I didn't even know she existed. She definitely does. Uh, she shows up in the Silver Age of Supergirl. So if you want to see more of Lena, act uh, Lena and, and her interactions with Linda Lee, definitely check out the Silver Age. And then, of course, you get into a uh, nasty Luther there. Uh, later, <laughs> later on Our so, favorite so uh so uh lena definitely exists and there's uh quite quite a bit of her in the comics uh you can also if you're interested uh the superwoman comic book series has some lena luther uh supergirl cosmic adventures in the eighth grade has some lena so there's definitely lena in the comics all right so uh gina goes on to say while this show took her in very odd directions in the last couple of seasons i'm glad that they didn't go down the clark lex route my husband always wanted lena to go evil and so when she uh, when she entertained it in season five, he was into it. Same. Uh, <laughs> Gina says, however, I always told him what would be interesting is if Kara and Lena remained best friends in the end or however you want to define their relationship, that a super and a loser could work together. And yes, this show proved it was possible. And the last thing, number four, a female led superhero show is worthy of effort. Wonder Woman in the 70s proved it. Xena and Buffy in the 90s proved it. And Supergirl proved it. In other words, we need more of these, unquote. Definitely. Um, so Daryl wrote in to share some thoughts saying, I completely forgot the theme to this season was power. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't call Akrata a dropped plot point, but I don't think they fulfilled the story potential that Andrea Akrata could have brought to the story. Do you think Melissa will ever look back and realize how they shortchanged her in the second half of the season? I've said this before, but a coming out to the world story could have taken up at least half a season, if not the entire season. I think the fact that Kara could just walk in and quit rather than be justifiably fired, just shows, <laughs> <laughs> just shows Carr's job security and Andrea's weakness as a boss. I have trouble figuring out why William was around. His investigation into Russell's death goes nowhere, both pre- and post-crisis, and they thankfully gave him another romantic interest besides Kara. Were we ever meant to learn who the leader of Leviathan was? Because leaving that plot point unresolved is incredibly sloppy for TV professionals. Yeah, I mean, we'll there was never the, know. <laughs> there was the COVID stuff, but le the Leviathan went away very quickly. So that was. It would have been great if, like, we came back in season six and, like, the first scene, like, somebody was like, "Wasn't it crazy how Leviathan was this person?" And like, like the camera pans over and the person just goes, "I was Leviathan," and then <laughs> on to the on to season six, right? Like, at least we would know. Give us closure. <laughs> 
Uh, we will never know. It will be an eternal mystery. All right. Well, I think our final email is from Obi's girl who sent us an email writing, quote, I finished watching season six of Supergirl, binging it in a group in binging it in group increments on Netflix. It was a good final season. I appreciate the writers returning to Alex wanting a kid, wrapping up that storyline. Finally, Lex's love story with Nixley felt like a dud from the beginning, mostly because everything was told from Lex's point of view from what they were like in the future, but we weren't really given a chance to really develop it. I love John Cryer as Lex Luthor, but I feel like he wasn't really explicitly needed for this final season's run. The big bad could have just been Nixley, and that would have been good enough. Lex, I felt, was just there, although it was heartbreaking to see Mama Luther die. I like that Carr became editor-in-chief at CatCo, but given how much she rarely worked as a journalist during the series run, it was a minor point. I did like that she finally found a way to blend her two personas together and come out as Supergirl. I also liked that Cat revealed how she knew all along. The wedding was beautiful, and Esme is super adorable. In all, it is satisfying that most of the major storylines were necess- were nicely wrapped up. Although, if, it, if there were another season, it would be interesting to see what Kara's life is like now that a national city and the world know her secret. Since the world knows that she is Supergirl, how does the world also not know that Clark is Superman? <laughs> On Superman and Lois, only a small handful of people know, know that, but the rest of the world doesn't? It doesn't quite make sense, unquote. So, Morgan, I don't know if we really kind of dug into that. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but I should remind everybody uh, that in the third episode of season one, Fight or Flight, of course, this is pre-crisis. Who knows if this still holds (laughs) up? But in the third episode of the entire show, Supergirl lets it slip to Cat Grant during their big interview that she is Superman's cousin. So if that holds uh, true post-crisis, you could very easily make that connection. Yeah, I mean, if Superman and Lois existed in the same television universe as Supergirl, I would be more concerned. But apparently they don't uh, (laughs) because they don't ever seem to mention Supergirl over on that show. Um, So I'm not surprised that there will be like no repercussions from the finale of Supergirl uh, on Superman and Lois. It feels like there should be. It really does. Maybe (laughs) there will be in season two. We might find out in season two. You might be like, what Cara did was so crazy. <laughs> she didn't even ask me. Cara's so crazy. Uh, so I guess we'll find out. I'm, I will be interested to, to, I should probably catch up on Superman and Lois so that I can see in season two if uh, if there's any, like, any way, ripple effects from Cara's decision. I, th- I think we should do, like, a season one uh, look at Superman and Lois. Oh, that'd be fun. We, yeah. did the pi- we did the pilot pod, but maybe we should do like a Morgan watch the show. We should talk about it. <laughs> I, I can't wait to dive into Lana and I hope that she wears more outfits like she did in the pilot. I hope they just get like more and more zebra print and animal <laughs> prints. There, there's, I think I've told you before, but there's a very specific thing that Lana does that I really want your perspective on so i really i need you to watch it so we can <laughs> i'm so excited i'm so excited and, and maybe i've hyped it too much now maybe you're gonna watch it and be like oh, is that what rebecca was talking about <laughs> but uh but i think it's quite something um anyway so uh we'll have to maybe do that maybe before season two i don't know when season two of superman and lois airs but i don't either maybe we'll try to do some sort yeah, of yeah it could like, happen look it back could at happen. season one <laughs> i will i will i will make you watch it morgan and we'll we'll catch up and talk about that nice 
All right. So uh, before we uh, leave, we have uh, one snap judgment. And if you have some snap judgments in the chat, uh, now would be the time to put them in there. But now we need to make some snap judgments. In the game of snap judgments, each person is presented with two options, but must only choose one. First instincts are recommended and explanations are unnecessary. Okay, so our snap judgment is from Mark. Um, Last summer, our friend, Dr. Nicole Green, gets advance word that Lena is going to become a witch (laughs) for the last six episodes of a six-season show. (laughs) She takes off for Vancouver, bursts into the Supergirls writer's room, and screams at them, you can't do this. It's a portrayal of everything she stands for. Plus, it's stupid. Uh, (laughs) stand up for yourself that's right Uh, they have her forcibly removed from the room restraining orders are put in place and there is talk of having the royal canadian mounted police not the mounties escort her (laughs) so polite uh escort escort her back to the u.s border but surprisingly they agree that she is right and decide to use a magical character from dc comics canon Instead, Ooh. now, would you prefer they bring in Raven, played by Tegan Croft, who plays her on Titans, or Zatanna, played by Tiffany Smith, who hasn't actually played her, but has said she really wants to? This is actually a really good idea, because they didn't have to make Lena a witch. No, they sure they could have just brought <laughs> in an, a magical character who was already a magical like. Yeah, they didn't have to turn Lena into something she wasn't. They could have just brought another magic. There are magical characters in the DC universe that they could have. This is a really great point, Mark. (laughs) They didn't at all have to do that, is the thing. No, they could have actually introduced a comic book element into the show and see. More disappointment. Okay, so I guess we need to make a choice. Hmm. Um, Hmm. Raven is. Great. I love Raven, Uh, especially like the way they've used her in Titans. But Raven is kind of a she deals with demons and some darker magic. And I don't know, like, I think Raven would just completely eviscerate Nixley. And it really wouldn't (laughs) it really wouldn't be much of a competition. I think Raven, her her brand of magic is for very, you know, very specific circumstances. I think it might it might be too much for the Supergirl TV series. So. As much as I would want to see, I don't know. I like Tiffany Smith, but I, I think I'd rather see like a another person playing Zatanna. I don't know. Maybe, maybe Tiffany Smith could really wow me as Zatanna. Maybe I should be open-minded and give her a shot. But I think I would rather, as a character, I think I would rather have Zatanna come in. Because Zatanna is more magical in the sense that she could maybe do some things that could be kind of like what Nixley and Mixie could do. I could see Zatanna as a, as a foe for them or somebody who could help them beat uh, that brand of magic magic. So I guess my choice would be Zatanna. Yeah. So I don't have as much experience with Raven um, except is she a character in like the children's show, the teen Titans children's show. 
So Zatanna is uh, kind oh, no, of not, not Zatanna. R- oh, Raven. Raven. Raven is part of the Teen Titans. Yes. Okay, I watched that with uh, with my friend's children one time, and I was like, Raven's great. She, uh, <laughs> she, I think that's the one that's pretty goth, or is that pretty, teen, yeah? Were you watching Teen Titans or Teen Titans Go? I, I Very different characterization. Go. Wait, was it like wacky and fun? She was kind of like, like dark and and like brooding. Definitely like, a goth character, kind of. Yeah, yeah. That's Teen Titans Go. Yes, yes. So that is my only my only uh, introduction to that character. So, uh, and I do love Zatanna. Um, so I think I would go with Zatanna. I feel like to to your point, Zatanna has kind of more of like the the magical aspects that we'd be looking for to uh to help fight Nixley and, and to uh to do that magic that maybe Lena was better off not doing so <laughs> yeah get now now really wish they had brought Zatanna in that would have been perfect, so awesome what a great opportunity to bring in such a great character that just flew by that would have been so exciting okay well I'm trying not to be totally bummed about that but uh, <laughs> let's, I guess let's move on because we do have another question in the chat from CM Gutierrez 74 uh, well I guess this is more of a question not necessarily a snap judgment maybe we could turn it into a snap judgment I don't know uh, the question is do you think Lena's mom was a witch pre-crisis as well or just post-crisis wouldn't it be great if like crisis just changed the entire fundamental like dna of lena luther <laughs> like before crisis she was just a science gal and now she's a science witch and it's all crisis's fault like they're just like i'm sorry hands are tied crisis um i don't know i mean i think that she wasn't a witch as of uh the episode right before she became a witch if i'm being honest like i don't think that this was a like a plan that they ever had to make her into a witch. I think maybe somebody like over the weekend watched Merlin and they were like, you know what Katie would be great at. (laughs) (laughs) How could we turn this question into a snap judgment? Um, I feel like there's a snap judgment in here. There is, there is a snap judgment in here. Uh, I guess, I guess maybe, uh, I guess just, uh, well, I guess we know the answer to it. I was going to say, would you prefer uh, Lena is just keeping keeping with the science or uh, being the being the witch? But I think I think we know the answer to that for both of us. We so like science, Lena. <laughs> I think I pr- would prefer science, Lena. Um, or, well, no. I, I want I want to like work Elizabeth Walsh into being Zatanna, but I don't I don't think we, I don't think we can get there. I don't I don't think there's we a way could, to get there. We could try, but I don't know I don't know how we get there. Uh, so Aaron has a snap judgment, but I don't I don't know if I understand it. Does Esme have cool ants or slightly nerdier a w n t s? I think aunts. Do you know what that? Oh, aunts. Oh, like, it, okay. It, does she pronounce it ants or aunts? <laughs> oh, okay. Um, like I'm a cool aunt. <laughs> did she say Aunt Cara? I don't know. Now I'm now I'm trying to remember. Was it Aunt I, Cara or Aunt Cara? I can't remember. She says it in the finale. He does. It's like the cutest thing because Cara like picks her up and she's like, Aunt Cara and I made it. I feel like she says aunt. I think oh, she somebody. Says- Feel like she says aunt. Somebody fact check us because I don't know if I can pull that <laughs> up right now. Do we? Do we feel like uh, Esme's vibe is more aunt or aunt? <laughs> I think I think she's aunt when she's living with Kelly and 
Alex, but I think if she had to stay with Lena, her godmother, I think she would say aunt. <laughs> I was about to say, Kara uh, is aunt, aunt Kara. Lena is aunt Kara. Is <laughs> aunt Lena? Yeah, I think I think she's very proper with Lena, and they have tea, like high tea. <laughs> oh, okay, yes. Uh, so Donna says she did say aunt Kara. So. But then, Aaron, but then Aaron says she said Aunt Kara. So maybe she mixed it up. It's a puzzle. <laughs> so I don't know. I kind of get Aunt Kara. Out of That's what I'm thinking too. Yeah, yeah. I fall on that side of the judgment. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. So we're just putting that on Esme and uh, saying that that's how she'd say it. she should say it. But that's uh that's the snap judgment that we have to pick one. So I guess that will wrap us up on uh, snap judgments here. No judgments on your snap judgments. All right, that is going to do it for our look back at season six. I feel like it's still really fresh in our <laughs> in our minds, uh, but I think we did a little bit of a deep dive on season six and what worked and what didn't. So hopefully we uh, shared the the good and the bad for uh, all of the season and kind of reflecting back on the final season. All right. Well, let's get to some Supergirl Radio and DC TV podcast plugs. If you would like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678-718-7252. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Podchaser, and Spotify, where we also have a Spotify playlist that includes music featured on and inspired by the CW Supergirl TV series. We are listed on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com slash dc-fans. If you like what we do, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you enjoy our Supergirl Radio live streams, make sure to subscribe to the DC TV Podcast YouTube channel and hit that notification bell to get notified when we go live and wired. DC TV podcast also has a T public store. So if you're in need of new DC TV related t-shirts, tank tops, sweatshirts, onesies, mugs, notebooks, pillows, or stickers, go to supergirlradio.com and click on the T public store link at the top of the page. Supergirl Radio, Superman and Lois Radio, the Flash Podcast, and Legends of Tomorrow Podcast, Backlight, and Podcast Bad Woman Podcast 2, and Titans and Doom Patrol Podcast just for you, Justice League Dark Podcast, Green Lantern Podcast, Star Girl Podcast, Strange Adventures Podcast, and finally my favorite of the bunch, DC TV After Dark, where you're allowed to say <laughs> and speaking of the DC TV podcast T Public Store, as we just were, we have <laughs> we have some Catco and DEO designs. Perfect yeah. for Christmas. Yeah, we have uh, sweatshirts, hoodies, T-shirts, mugs, all kinds of things. So if you want to revisit a uh, cat coat like we did in season six with cat returning or the uh, the newly developed DEO, uh, now that they're going <laughs> to rebuild it. Now new and improved. Six, uh, you can get some DEO uh, merchandise there if you would like to do that as well. And we would also like to thank our Legion of uh, Super Sponsors for supporting the Supergirl Radio Patreon. So thanks to Michael, Sam, Anne-Marie, Yvonne, Quinn, Jessica, Nicola, Leslie, Abby, Ermgard, Miriam, Sheree, Donna, Nicole, Lizeth, 
and faith. If you would like to support the Supergirl Radio Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash supergirlradio. We have four monthly levels that you can uh, check out and uh, support us that way. You get a little behind the scenes of Supergirl Radio and get some exclusive content there. So if you just want some bonus stuff and you want to support the the podcast, the Patreon is a great way to do that. Yes. And uh, no, I'm st- I'm so used to having the flat Supergirl <laughs> thing too. there. I was like, uh, I like, <laughs> should I be saying something <laughs> that uh, uh, I took it out? Uh, but just as a um, uh, to update, we're going to do the uh, reveal of the flat Supergirl contest winner. We still need to pick it, so we're going to do it <laughs> by the end uh, by the end of the year with our final episode of Supergirl Radio for 2021. We will announce that contest winner uh, next week during our Christmas episode. So. So stay tuned for that. Uh, I guess I could tell you about where to find me if you want to check me out. Uh, I'm on Vero, which is a social media platform. If you don't know about it, you should know about it. It's awesome. It's at Derby Kid. You can find out all the things I've been watching. And occasionally when I pick up a book and read it, I'll uh, post about it there. (laughs) Um, So you can check out some things there at Derby Kid. I'm also on Instagram at The Derby Kid. And I have a personal YouTube channel at youtube.com slash duckmilkprod. I've been doing some uh, reading of Batman v Superman reviews from uh, the the top critics of Rotten Tomatoes. And boy, are they something else. It is wild. I recently read through one from the Washington Post where uh, ooh, it was it was rough. And uh, turns out the lady who wrote it, I, I don't want to speak badly about anybody, but uh, she wrote a book about how to watch movies. And I was like, no, I'm is not. Is there like a specific way to to do that or is do you just watch oh, well she's she i guess she teaches you how to do it i don't know if i'm gonna buy that book but <laughs> i just thought it was interesting that um i did not agree with uh how she watched batman v superman uh so she wanted to teach me how to watch movies and i was like no thanks i think i i think i got it I think it's I'm... almost like art is subjective <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know i think there are uh, objective elements that you can look at when you review things but uh i also i just you know what i think i got it i'm good i'm good <laughs> i think i can uh i can watch them so i'm good to go so that was really interesting for me to learn that so if you want to check out some of those reviews check me out on uh my uh, duck milk pl- duck milk pride youtube channel and you can find me on twitter and instagram i'm at mojotastic you can also find me uh, as a co-host on the legends of tomorrow podcast where we just went into our hiatus but we also reviewed um a a, a christmas special that anyone who is uh, involved in the arrowverse could watch it's called bebo saves christmas <laughs> nice um we had a lot of questions for that special like what is this why <laughs> Are we watching it? And most importantly, who was this made for? And so (laughs) if you too maybe flipped on Bebo, went, what is this? And and had a series of questions for yourself, you might want to check out that podcast episode that's dropping this week. We also have um, some overhauls of our Patreon levels that we're going to be rolling out pretty soon and uh, and a special Patreon episode that should be going up on our uh, Legends of Tomorrow podcast Patreon. So some fun stuff to look forward to for the hiatus. We're planning on doing our 
100 episodes of uh, like 100th episode of Legends of Tomorrow Retrospective, where we come up with 100 great things about the show, like 100 moments about the show. That's a work in progress. That'll be some point during this little hiatus that we have, which is actually not very long at all. The show <laughs> comes back like the second week of January. Oh, like, my goodness. Yes. You can't just let me live for a second. <laughs> Thanks for nothing, Bebo. <laughs> well, that sounds like a lot of fun. That sounds like some uh, good ways to celebrate the show and the podcast. So that is awesome. Well, uh, definitely check it out. I'm, I might have to watch that Bebo Saves Christmas special, even though I don't watch <laughs> Legends uh, of Tomorrow. You don't Maybe. have... The, in, the weird thing is that you literally don't have to even have watched any show on the Arrowverse at all to watch <laughs> Bebo Saves Christmas a strange choice. Uh, (laughs) If you do, I would love your take on what you thought of it because I don't even know what I thought of it. (laughs) Well, maybe that can be a future uh, Supergirl Radio Patreon. It sure could. (laughs) Rebecca Rebecca watches one episode of Legends of Tomorrow. (laughs) It's actually not an episode. My DVR didn't even record it. Oh, no. I had to watch it with all the commercials because I was like, oh, it's an episode of Legends, right? It'll record in the Legends spot. No, it won't. (laughs) That is really strange. I guess they aired it just as a Christmas special. That is wild. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this episode of Supergirl Radio. But until next time, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. And I'm still Morgan Glennon. And thanks for looking back at season six with us. McGurk! I Do love not mess with my Google Docs, Meeksy. Supergirl Radio is going live every night of the week. How do you like it? Is being, becoming a human burrito a plus or a minus? I don't know. It does seem snug. I mean, they say you are what you eat. Kira. I love that. So I do a podcast called Supergirl Radio, and one of our segments is Lena Luther Boardroom or Ballroom. Because really? She looks like a boss in this coat. Nasty Luther, like a different Luther. It's not just Lena being mean. No. <laughs> Helen Slater here. It's so fun to know that you're hosting a podcast called Supergirl Radio. Supergirl Radio.